Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 305 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield. Alongside me today is Matt Kyle to talk to you about the biggest and the best in video games for the week. Not a lot of big or best this week for the games no, industry. It's uh it's one of those down weeks again. Yep, another slow uh, summer week. Uh, but we ha- I think we still have a great show for you guys. Somehow we managed to always cobble one together. Um, Somehow, some way, keep coming up with funky ass shit like every, every single, single day. Every single day. May. Uh. Kick a little something for the G's. <laughs> uh, so here we are in Los Angeles. You do the whole song if you want. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, just like... The home of Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Um, but we have a great show for you guys this week. We do have a couple games we're going to discuss. Uh, actually, some pretty big announcements happened this week. We're going to leave the show off with those. Um, not a ton of housekeeping this week. The biggest note is that there is no show next week. Matt mm-hmm. will be on vacation, which is good to hear that you're taking mm-hmm. some time off, heading up north to see the family, Something spend like some that. time in the Bay Area, have some fun. Um, so there will be no show next week. I will probably do something on my own that I, I will publish uh, on Tuesday at both our Patreon and at Sifted.net for our patrons because there are like a bunch of big games coming out. We're miss- We're just missing a couple biggies. Um, in fact, some review embargo is lifted We're not today. doing Biggie right now. We're doing Snoop. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, so I'll probably publish something for you guys next Tuesday. It'll be pre-recorded. Um, it's not going to be live. So next Tuesday at 1, we will not be here with the live stream at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Um, but other than that, we're just chugging along. I will also be, as usual, I will be out towards the end of the summer um, on Labor Day weekend. And Matt, it may even be a case where I may be out for a while because... Mm. Uh, my wife and I, I believe, are going to go to Greece. Oh. I have a credit card with points that I have literally been saving points on for about 13 years now. I have never spent a single point. And it took me 13 years of buying everything with this same credit card. Literally everything. Every parking meter I use, I use that credit card. Everything I buy, I use that credit card. And... Now, we have finally got to the point after like 13 years where I've earned enough points for basically a free flight to Greece and free hotels for the whole time that we're there. Hmm. So this is one pro tip I will give all of you. Immediately do this. Go and get a credit card that gives you points and just buy everything with it. Everything. Set up every utility bill. Hmm. Set up everything. And like you can get cards that have bonuses. Like the card that I have gives you double points for restaurants, which is smart because... You spend a lot of money eating at restaurants. Most people do. Especially in L.A. Uh, Yeah. So you can find a card that gives you double points for something that will work for you. And then just forget about it. Just use that card to buy everything. Literally everything. And you will be shocked in the amount of time. At the very least, probably in five years, you'll be able to afford like a free trip out to like here for like a week or two weeks. But if you want to go overseas might want to double that time, and that's exactly what I have done. I have saved points on this card for like 13 years. Make sure those passports are ready. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with passports. Another pro tip for you, people who may think about traveling abroad, at least in America anyway, is it's much easier to get update your passport if you have your flights already. So mm. if you just want a passport, it's a very long, drawn-out procedure. If you've already booked your flights and you have your tickets and you take them, to the office where you get your passport, they will expedite your passport for an extra, like, I think it's like 15 or 20 bucks, and you'll get it in like two weeks. So another pro tip for people who are like looking to get your passport, because my passport expired two years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I'll be out probably for a nice extended stretch. We're, we still haven't bought our flights yet for um, the trip to Greece. 
Uh, but Greece is one of the last places on Earth that I still want to visit. And so we're planning a trip. I generally go places, Matt, where I learn something while I'm there. I'm not like the big go to Hawaii and lay on the beach and get really sunburned for like seven days straight. Mm-hmm. And my wife hates that. She's very fair-skinned, so she, just, she doesn't like tropical vacations at all. Uh, so we tend to go places where there's a lot of history. Like our for our honeymoon, we went to Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, mean, I could kind of go both ways on that, but I would... If you were gonna like list the stuff, I places I'd ra- I want to go first, it would be more historical sites than you know, paradise location. You know, like I'd much rather see the pyramids than go to like the Bahamas. We're also spoiled because we live in a place where people come for vacation. Mm-hmm. Like for example, this coming weekend, one of my very best friends from Philadelphia is coming here with his whole family. Him, his wife, and his two kids are coming here, and he's gonna be here for like eleven days. He's starting in San Diego. He's gonna do all the stuff down there. Then he's coming up. He's going to do Disney on the way to L.A. Then he gets to L.A. and he stays here for like five days. So we are spoiled. Like I could literally ride my bike two miles and I'm sitting on Venice Beach or on Santa Monica Beach. Mm-hmm. What's going on, Matt? I'm trying to see if the air conditioning is working. <laughs> it's warm in here. I turned it on, but it's not doing anything. It's just me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Worn grease. Yeah. But anyway, we are spoiled. Like this is we live a place where a lot of people come for vacations. Um, and so, you know, for me going someplace else where I'm going to lay on the beach, I'm like, I could just ride my bike a couple miles and do that. So, um, we tend to do things that are historical and really cool. And Greece actually has nice beaches anyway. So you kind of get yeah, both. Greece is very nice. Or like you can go to the, those crazy, uh, like island areas with like the monasteries on the top of the mountain yeah. islands. I mean, with the stairs I would never, ever go on. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. So if any of you guys actually live in Greece, and I know we do have some because I can see the demographics. Um, if you go on to hang out and have like a beer or something in Greece, I'm totally down with that. Uh, we'll be in like the big places. We're going to Athens, obviously, mm-hmm. and Santeria, I think, mm-hmm. and then one other island. Sparta. <laughs> We're going to like the three big tourist traps. So if you mm-hmm. live anywhere near those and you live in Greece and you'd like to get together and have a beer or something, I am 100% down. Would love to meet up with you guys while I'm over there. But that's still a long ways away. I still have to trudge through the summer here. Um, and things are getting better. I think the shows are getting better. We're having more games to talk about, which is great. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at, kind of mapping out the rest of the summer for Game Phase and Matt and I. Um, See if there's anything else. Let's check our chat and see what you guys are up to today. I hope you guys are all having an awesome day and you're having a good week. Um, oh, Barry Lomax brings up a good point, actually. And I should have mentioned this when I was talking about getting a credit card. Set it up so it just pays off every month. Link it to your account and just let it automatically pay it off every month. Do not allow your balances to sit in there because that's where they get you mm-hmm. with interest rates. So I should have said that. It's very important that this credit card that I mentioned is set up to just auto pay in full every month. That's really important because otherwise you can get into the trap where you start getting hit with interest and you can't get out of the hole. So I don't want to send any of you guys spiraling into awful credit card debt. Uh, Let's see what's going on here. Uh, If we got any Twitch Prime. Vinuraba. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Vinuraba. I have not seen you on the site in forever, my brother. You used to be a regular, and you were on all the comments and everything, and I haven't seen you in a really long time. But I do appreciate that you kept up with your Twitch Prime. 37 months, man. That's quite a streak. Thank you very much. Hope to see you on the site. Um, see if we got anything else here. Uh, David5807, thank you for Twitch Prime. We are at the near the end of the month, so most of the people who come on our stream have done it by now, have subscribed with Twitch Prime. But if you're watching this show on YouTube or you're watching it on Sifted and you don't watch the streams or you're watching it on Patreon and you don't come to the live stream, this is a great time to remind you guys to please go and re-up 
your subscription right now. Pause this show and go do it right now while the hype train is incoming. <laughs> uh, so anyway, thanks to everybody. Oh, here we go. Not Sir, thank you for Twitch Prime. Emperor Dread, thank you for Twitch Prime. As always, it's still a good idea to drop the Twitch Prime at the beginning of the show or the end of the show because and I mean this, like I, I want to recognize the people who do it verbally on the show. Um, and so if you could do that at the beginning or the end when I have time to kind of recognize you, that would be awesome. We just hit the first level of the hype train. That's great. Thank you very much. Emperor Dread, by the way, 34 months with Twitch Prime. Not Sir, 38 months with Twitch Prime. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys so much. Um, and I think, I think that's it. I think it's time to get yeah, on. There's more now. There's more now. There's more. Oh, there's more. Oh, here they come. <laughs> One Supermaster Gamer. Thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Um, Melowak, thank you for gifting the tier one sub to Barry Lomax. That's very awesome of you. Yep. Okay. I think now we're ready. A once-in-a-lifetime property is now available in northwest Montana, featuring 92 acres of gorgeous wilderness, approximately one mile along the Blue Ribbon, trout-rated Kootenai River, and an eye-popping view of the Cabernet Mountain Wilderness Area. This is truly an outdoorsman's paradise. You can use the restored and remodeled barn with living quarters as a year-round home, vacation cabin, fishing retreat, horse ranch, or cattle ranch. Contact Doug DeShazer today for additional pictures, information, and an opportunity to view this very special piece of Montana. And with interest rates starting to rise, now is the time to pull the trigger on a home or property. Even if you're not able to relocate to Montana, worry not, sifters. Doug DeShazer has facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. He can find you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live in the U.S. Feel free to contact Doug with any questions regarding real estate at DeShazerMT at gmail.com or give him a call at 406-291-1643. That's 406-291-1643. I believe. Uh, we're going to kick things off with the biggest announcement of the week. wasn't really a surprise because we kind of knew the event was coming. I don't know that we were 100% sure that we would get these announcements, but it was the... It would be a problem if we didn't. It would be. <laughs> like, you let that go by and don't say anything about the second remake installment, someone's going to wonder. Yep. So this week, Square Enix had the 25th, <laughs> you want to feel old, the 25th anniversary celebration for Final Fantasy VII. That is mm -hmm. just, to me, staggering. It's just another, one of those landmark games that I remember so many things about around that time. Um, I remember who was playing it that I knew, who wasn't playing it that I knew, who did have a PlayStation, who had an N64, mm -hmm. who could play it. Who could, I remember all that stuff. I was the only person I knew in real life who played that game. Really? Yep. Everyone else passed on no it. No one else cared. Really? Not a single other person cared. Oh, it was huge in my crew. Online, I knew tons of people who did. But like, yeah. inter like all my friends who had... Uh, Actually, I guess I guess Miguel. You remember Miguel? Yeah. He played it, uh, but he didn't have a PlayStation at the time. Mm. Eventually, he played it. Yeah. But at launch, like the only I, I was one of the few people I knew with a PlayStation. Everyone else I knew had a PlayStation. Didn't care about. It. They just want to play Game Day and uh, uh, Battle Arena, Toshinden, and Tekken. Oh, 
Everyone um, in my crew was playing it, and it was a huge debate. Which was better, Final Fantasy VII or Ocarina of Time? It was this thing that people would argue ima- about. Imagine that being a debate. I know, but it was. Because, you know, it had, like, the flashy yeah. pre-rendered well, it was, cinemas. It was and, like, all Console Wars crap, really. It was. It, it was yeah. N64 versus PlayStation, and those were their flagship games. Mm-hmm. Um, but those games came out so close to each other that in, year. In, inevitably people compared them. It was a year apart. Yeah. My but, crew... That's what it was all about. Which is better, Zelda or Final Fantasy VII? I never knew anyone in real life who ever had that argument. It was all online. Really? Yeah. I, I knew people I in real life. I didn't know console warriors in real life. I really, really? didn't. Really? No. Yeah. I mean, I I had a crew. They they weren't I all did there. in the 16-bit era. Like, Genesis yeah. versus Super Nintendo was a big deal. But, like, at that point, everybody... I was 21. Like, no one did that anymore at that point. It was either you were out of video games or you are like, oh, it's cool. Like, that was it. Yeah, my friends were got into it because my friends they were they were gamers, but they weren't like us. They weren't going to buy every console. They had to pick, mm-hmm. and so they had chosen. And if they had chosen the PlayStation, then they were going to defend Final Fantasy VII. And they're going to because back mm-hmm. then, like people didn't even really understand pre-rendered graphics. Yeah, they thought they're just like, no, look at the TV right now. What I'm seeing of Final Fantasy VII looks way better. Than mm-hmm. anything I've seen in Ocarina of Time because they're just playing these pre-rendered cinematics, yeah. right? But they didn't understand that. Right. But I mean, co- partly because they were inf- misinformed by the magazines at the time. You know, it was it was it Game Fan that had the the cover of with Final Fantasy and it said, "Is it the best looking game of all time?" Right. And yeah. I was like, "No." And the, if not, you remember, not unless Resident Evil is too, because they have the same background. Like, yeah. And if you remember, the commercials showed only showed pre-rendered, only CG. showed all the crazy cinematics yeah. from the game. It was well, also like I always, I always thought that was a weird thing because it's like, look, even if you leave aside the background thing, if you just say, okay, the backgrounds look good because they're pre-rendered pictures, but we're not going to disqualify. We're just going to say those character models in that game yeah. are garbage yeah. and were at the time, <laughs> like the overworld stuff yeah. with no hands and the weird like that. Those always were terrible. And like, say what you will about Final Fantasy VIII, but at least they unified all that stuff. That's true. At least in yeah. Final Fantasy VIII, the characters you're playing look the same in every version of like in the in combat because the. Like I was when when seven came out, I was I first off seven dropped early in my area because I was in the East Bay in college still, and I went to Toys R Us, and it came out, you know, it was supposed to come out like mid September, and it was on the shelf at Toys R Us at, on September seventh or something mm-hmm. like that, and I was like, oh okay, so I got it like a week before any anyone I knew online and played it for a while, and that um, was like what I played all that month, and uh, at the end I remember being like, I don't get it. Like what? What's the big? What? Deal? What's the big? It's just it was kind yeah. of like a lesser version of the game. I mean, I love six. Like I was looking forward to because I like six, and I remember thinking it's like why don't they always just look like they do in the in the battles? Because mm-hmm. they look good in the battle. Yeah, fine in the battle. And then like eight, while well, eight has its own problems, at least like unified all that and yeah. made it a little more cinematic and everything. Um, yeah, uh, seven is seven is probably the first major game release that came out in my lifetime that I was that I played and I was like, wait, what? Like what? Yeah, almost everything. I didn't like Donkey Kong Country very much, but I understood why it was a big yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. This one, I was like, it was the first instance. I was like, does everyone only like this because they were told to like it? Like it, mm-hmm. it felt like very, very not bad really, but very, very average. It yeah. just felt like oh, that was that was a Final Fantasy. Yeah, that was a RPG. But like Suikoden was better. Yeah, like at the time, I liked Wild Arms more. Frankly, yeah. Um, it was a weird moment, <laughs> and uh, it was—it's a seminal moment in the games industry, though I believe. Oh, it definitely—it definitely changed things, and I wouldn't say entirely for the better. Um, yeah, it, it, I it, can see that. It did bring the idea of an RPG as 
potentially possible as a, as a break as a mainstream hit mm-hmm. um, which was not a thing before it wasn't yeah um you know the in- integration of cinematics and pre-rendered stuff suddenly was like oh that's viable in a way beyond just resident evil um you know it it catapulted square to the forefront of uh, sort of like how game design should work which was unfortunate um and what's it- interesting is that we we lived through this mm-hmm. and we were basically adults when we yeah. lived through it and I feel like most of the people who are the biggest fans of Final Fantasy VII now are people who may not even have been born when Final Fantasy VII came out. Most of them were kids when it came out and played it. I remember having an argument with one of the guys who worked. We brought on a big extra staff when we went daily in 2008. And uh, Justin Facino, it was Justin Facino, who who you, some people might know from Bungie and some other places, mm-hmm. and we were, he loved Final Fantasy VII, and we would argue about that all the time. And finally, I was like, I just don't understand. At some point, I said something like, I don't understand how you would have that level of affection and respect for this game if you weren't like twelve when it came out and you didn't know any better. Yeah. And he said, I was twelve when that <laughs> came out. I was like, Go sit, okay. go sit over there with your young self and be young in the corner Fair away from enough. me. Like that was, it was, it, but um, yeah, but I mean that. I, I say that all the time. The golden age of science fiction is twelve, like mm-hmm. because yeah. whatever you read when you were twelve, you think you is think the, it's best the best thing because you were the right age to like you know that was a you're foundational in the wheelhouse thing. of yeah. where you believe it and like just soak not that it you up. were stupid and you were like you didn't understand what you were reading, but because that is where a lot of formative things happen, yeah. and so like that's going to kind of form the basis of some things. Your mind was you. open, yeah, yeah, exactly, and it poured on in. Um, you know, for me, apparently that would be 1988. But I can't really think of anything particularly important in 1988 <laughs> for me. But whatever. Um, yeah. So uh, Final Fantasy VII has always been a pretty underwhelming thing to me. Um, also, the uh, I remember also remember being the first time I was ever disappointed by the music in a Square game. Oh. Because while I think the music in Final Fantasy VII is a, is really good in terms of composition. That weird-ass screechy MIDI they decided yeah. to use for the PS1 version of that mm-hmm. game is a crime. Which is, is an so absolute weird too, because crime. They had CDs. They didn't need to do that. I, I always wondered what the deal was with that because like eight yeah. switched back to Redbook basically uh, again, and like you know, and that was that would I mean that was not uncommon even on Sega CD stuff. That was yeah. not like. You know, yeah. and and like you had multiple. Di- like my only guess was that like they were using too much space on the disc for like the the pre rendered stuff and and all that. Like because that that is one of the greatest you know, one of the greatest crimes in that game is that they did that to Uematsu's music yeah. and like I, you know I don't have a lot of good things to say about the remake but at least they did justice to that soundtrack finally yeah i was surprised at how much interest there was in the remake of final fantasy 7 among younger players because i was like wait a minute you didn't even really live through this game <laughs> no but they've heard about it forever right yeah and like it and that was enough. It wasn't super easy to get your hands on a decent copy of it for That's a long true. time. You yeah. know, the, the physical copies are still pretty pricey, and you know, unless you kind of wanted wanted to play the classics version, I guess on PS3, you were kind of stuck. Are they worth money? The original PS1 copies? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> for a so while they were. I, went, I mean, I don't know about now. I guess I haven't looked in a while. Because I went but. to uh, Square Enix years ago. Um, one of my friends and one of your friends too was that basically their head of PR there. And she walked me through their game catalog. This mm-hmm. is Square Enix US here in LA. And they had a room that was, I don't know, like three, four times the size of this room that was just their games, retail versions of their games. And they gave me a brand new copy of Final Fantasy VII for the original PlayStation. Yeah, so and I have it. It's still sitting in shrink wrap. So you're looking at um, 
like a black label one, not the greatest hits one. Yeah, it's it's the OG version. Yeah, like used ones go for like you know thirty to sixty depending uh, okay. on condition. Not worth that much. Se- Let me finish my sentence. Okay. Sealed copies are going for three to four hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Like sealed because people want sealed ones as part of their you know library. Right. You know. Yeah. And they go for le- and they used to go for for more be- when there was no other way to get them. You mm-hmm. know, but now obviously there's digital yeah, it's copies been released and, everywhere. Now. Yeah. So it's not that. But for a long time, you know, th- that's. That's about the price they were like ten years ago, which is unusual because normally things like that would have dropped by now. Yep. Um, basically, the the pop the big things you would think were were expensive have come down in the last ten years, and the big things then the little things no one cares about have gone up because they're harder to find. Right, that makes sense. Um, yeah, the final Final Fantasy VII and all the PlayStation One Square RPGs are very valuable um, in physical copies. There, there's a, there's the nostalgia element to it that's um, never I don't think ever going to go away. But you can get like crappy used ones for like cheap now uh, and you'll pay you pay much like a sealed copy of the greatest hits one looks like it's going for like 50 okay because gotcha. um, no one likes that green stripe on the side of it but still if you just want to play it getting a well here's one here's this greatest hits one that's sealed that someone's trying to sell for 950 dollars. <laughs> i don't think they're gonna get that good luck I don't with think that that's one. gonna gonna happen yeah but what i was getting at is that once we realized that remasters and remakes were a thing final fantasy 7 became the golden cow. It became what everybody was rooting for, everybody was hoping for. They're like, oh, we can remaster yeah. and remake games now? That's a thing? Well, uh, then the first game I want that to happen right. to is also, Final Fantasy VII. The fact that Final Fantasy VII instantly shot to the top of the remake remaster list indicates to me that I am correct, and the PS1 version was very fell very short. Oh. <laughs> at once you get past like, the time of, but like at that once 8 came out and they was like, oh, you could do that? Like... Seven was seven. Going back to seven was very difficult without nostalgia yeah. goggles. Like it's, it's a, it's a badly presented PS One RPG. Yeah, like it's yeah. just not very good in that in that term. Yep. So um, we so we finally get the announcement of the Final Fantasy Seven remake, and people go bonkers. And then we get the game, and the game ends up not really being a remake of final fantasy 7 that i think people maybe thought it was going to be and it cuts off before it even really gets to what a third of the original game if um, that maybe a third yeah i mean it, it, you're, you're kind of when does it end it ends like around when sephiroth shows up for the mm-hmm. first time right yeah so you're not out of mid it's not the end of the first disc even really it's yeah. you know, you're not out of midgar yet but um I mean, everybody knew it was going to be more than one part. Yeah, I mean, uh, we knew it was going to be a multi-part. Not that you'd know from looking at the cover, because they don't tell you that. Yeah. There's no volume one or part one right, on right. it. Little, little, and now I guess they've, they've addressed that by saying, oh, each one's going to have a different title, a subtitle that starts with R. Yeah. So that's how you know. It's like, okay, shifty. Like, it, Well, they, they took liberties, too. Like, it's not a one-to-one no, recreation. It's a, it's a reimagining to some degree. They've, they've yeah. kind of done the, um, what you call it, they've done the rebuild of Evangelion thing to mm-hmm. it a little bit, where it's like, you know, or at first you think it's a remake, and then you're like, oh, it's a different timeline, it's a different alternate version of the story. To, you know, probably, which is fun. You know, if you're gonna take a game this old and re-embellish it and remake it and represent it on this level of fidelity, it makes a lot of sense that you'd change a bunch of a bunch of stuff. It yeah. makes sense that you'd revise it, you'd make it all hang together better, you'd you'd apply the lessons you've learned in the last quarter century of of storytelling and game design. To, but at a certain point, you're like. Oh, it's because rebuild of Evangelion. Spoilers for a fifteen-year-old movie. <laughs> um, early on, you think it's just a remake of the TV series with you know a budget, and then you're like, oh no, this is a sequel. Yeah. And they're just replaying the timeline again. And there's an element of Final Fantasy VII where it seems like there's these shadow things that are like 
something happens every time the game deviates tremendously from the original plot line and it becomes clear that something is going on here and then there's a big bomb that gets dropped at the end that like oh this character that in the original is dead is not mm-hmm. um and they didn't uh, go that far out of bounds with this remake but it's not the same game by any stretch of the imagination no it's, it's a different it is a different story like if you um, swapped out the character models in this and just put some generic square enix character model in there I think a lot of people would struggle to even say this is Final Fantasy VII. Somewhat. I mean, part of that is because Final Fantasy VII has... Uh, I'll be kind and use the word informed so much of Square's story structure and, and storytelling uh, ever since then that every game they make is like Final Fantasy VII yeah. to some degree. Like, <laughs> like it's, That's not an indictment, really, of Final Fantasy VII Remake so much as it an, an indictment of the fact that Square refuses to do anything else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of Square's like RPGs and action RPGs ever since 1997 have involved a group of kind of outcast, you know, re- <laughs> rebels led by a mopey dude with a big sword who are fighting the system in a dystopian kind of ground-down grimy place. Yeah. Like... That that is the template, you know, and I was so sick of that template by about 1999 that like because everyone was doing that. <laughs> Two you know, years every, later. <laughs> every RPG suddenly became Final Fantasy. Everything had yeah. to be dark and everything had to be sad and all the all the protagonists had to be like, oh, I don't want to be here. That was why Skies of Arcadia was so great because it was a fucking adventure again. Yeah, it was fun. It, it was, was fun bright, and everybody wanted yeah. everybody in the game that you were playing as wanted to be there. Like yeah. that was the unique thing about Skies of Arcadia was like. Vice was excited to do this awesome thing he was doing, as opposed to all the other RPGs Aww, who were like, like oh, yeah. you have to go on an adventure and mopey. save the world, yeah. poor Squall. You know, it's like, it's, 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 it's it was yeah. a very, I mean, I know it was the 90s, and that was sort of, you know, the grimdark thing was sort of, a, was a hot, but like, it lasted way too long. It, it um, seems like the fans, though, were okay with the liberties that were taken with this. Yeah, I mean, look. I haven't seen a lot of fans complain that, like, oh, it, it steered too far away from the I've original. I've seen some of that, but most of what Not I've seen is, is, like, oh, like, okay, it's this. I get yeah. it. Yeah, I get what you're doing. Um, and some of that is because it's so far removed from the original game that you kind of had to change things up without making it feel like review you're, mm-hmm. or, or, or kind of, you know, and I was always interested, even if they didn't change a bunch of stuff, I was interested to see it presented in a modern sense because so much of Final Fantasy VII is just, like, nonsensically uh you know, written and put together, and then you add on top of it the let's call it subpar translation <laughs> job and localization <laughs> job. Be kind. And I was always interested to see, like, I'm interested to see what this story looks like, you know, with a modern, you know, localization job, with a made a modern presentation of localization job, and sort of to, to see it kind of hang together more, to see like Barrett have an actual character because he mm-hmm. doesn't really have one in the original yeah. game beyond being a Mr. T impersonator <laughs> yeah. um and he does have a character in the new one you know they're, they're mm-hmm. you know they, they do actually make these characters they develop people much better to yeah. some degree it still doesn't really make me care mm-hmm. um but they did what they needed to do to make it feel like something that was made today and not just like you know going through the motions of a 25 year old game yep. um they did not figure that out in terms of the game design uh, I spent way too much time walking through nondescript hallways and having clouds yeah, sort of scoot sideways through yeah. the. I'm hoping that the new game is going. Here's the here's the thing that I think is funny, especially looking at kind of some of the stuff they've talked about with the the, the next one, because they did finally say there's three of them. Like yes. they're, they're doing three. It's a trilogy. Um, yeah, actually, that, I'm trying to lead into yeah. the fact that they just announced finally the second installment in the Final Fantasy VII mm. remake trilogy, and it's called Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. 
and it appears that it may be stepping even further away yeah. from my, the original But game. here's my thing. I think by the time this third one's done, you're going to need to remake the first one. Because the first one is so primitive in terms of the, the game design and, and dungeon design, because they clearly made it, we're starting to start to work on it before even PS4 days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're going to need to basically do a revamp of this one. <laughs> well, this actually, make, this is Rebirth here and, that we're seeing now. Yeah, we're gonna, you need to do a revamp of, of Remake to <laughs> make it gel with the with Rebirth and whatever the third one is, which I'm guessing is going to be Requiem or yeah. something like, you know, some other R word. Um, and they say that this is coming next end of 2023. Yes. If we're lucky. Yeah. I mean, um, also coming way more quickly than I think we thought. Um, cause I remember when too quickly when, though, when three years came out, we were like, Oh, it's probably gonna be five years for the yeah. next one. And it's actually two. And well, we'll we see are. if I'm, I'm still, I'm still saying Q1 2024. We'll okay. see if this one makes it, but, <laughs> but yeah, that is faster than I, than I think anybody anticipated. Um, and uh, and somewhere in there, I guess we got a Crisis Core remake. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Crisis Core. Let's stay on Rebirth for now. Um, so this is the second entry. And in the course of debuting this, they talked to producer Yoshinori Kitasi. I think that's the correct way to say his name. And he actually he talks about the original remake. And the, the editor who interviewed him brought up, you know, it took some shocking liberties with the original. Like major characters that were written for death in the original either end up being saved or or are painted as not so doomed, mm-hmm. to your point about, like, the mopey whatever. They kind of changed that a lot. But then Katase says that he wanted a much more dramatic change overall and was talked down by the game's director, Tetsuya Nomura, and uh, the co-director, Naoki Hamaguchi. Um, to the point where they just wanted to make sure that the players didn't need to have experienced the original or even the remake to appreciate this game. So they're straying even farther mm-hmm. away from the source material. It's almost like they realize the source material is not that great. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. They didn't talk about that, but you may be right. That may be what they're realizing. Um, There's no reason to stick to it that close. It's not that, it's not that deep, frankly. Like, you know, they can do better now. And even, even I'm saying that as someone who doesn't really like most of what Square does narratively at this point... Um, I have no doubt in my mind that they can make a better story out of the the bones of Final Fantasy VII than Final Fantasy VII did originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so sure, and I do think the idea of like having like making these games standalone, like in this, who the hell is playing the second one without playing the first one? Like that's a mm-hmm. very weird question to me. Well, they said um, they want to make it so that that's not a big deal that you can just pick I'm this game sure. up and play it without having to. I'm sure, but I would love to see a diagram, a, a chart of how many people yeah. are play this one without having played remake. That seems like a pretty small number to me. I, I I really struggle to see how they're going to get with two games left all the way to the end of the original Final Fantasy VII. As far as far as the mm-hmm. story is concerned, I they'd have to cut out so much. To get there. Or the games have to be like 100 hours long a piece. I mean, would it put it past? Like, the, <laughs> the, I mean, the point in, in this game is going to be, you know, the, the at some point, Rebirth is going to hit the point in the original where you get kicked out into the world. Right. And I'm curious if you're going to... How's gonna, that going to be handled? I mean, yeah. my guess is that it's going to be handled the way they handled it in Remake, which is like you just go to... You, there is no open world. You just go to different locations and run around in them and do the story things. Mm-hmm. And I, fe- I feel like you probably will not be running around the world of this game. I feel like you will be going on a map or something from point to point to point. I would take something away from the original concept. Probably. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it's different, you know, it, it, it's different 
I guess, other in terms of like how you're presenting things. Also, like Square always goes on and on about how hard it is to make all these environments, and you think they're gonna make a giant world for you to run around in, like when they yeah. have trouble making like slums that don't look the same 14 feet away from each other. Like they didn't even get the door textures right on that first one. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's not gonna be an open world on this game. Is this what the people wanted, Matt? What they're getting from these remakes of Final Fantasy VII? I mean, they seem to. Like, people Do you think seem- part of it is that they just don't know the original all that well, so they're more open to changes and tweaks? No, I mean, most of the people I think that I know that like this, the game do know the original well, but they just don't... It's it's They accept that it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how, how they feel when the whole thing's out. Yeah. You know? Like, that's kind when of... When it's done. Yeah, when it's done, we'll see how they feel about where they went. You know, even people that were very upset that Rebuild of Evangelion changed things were like, well, we'll see how it all ends. And then it ended. And then they're like, that sucked. <laughs> so, yeah. like... Um, I haven't actually seen the end of that, so I don't know no. how that worked out. But most of what I've seen has been negative. Um, so a lot of times, you know, with stuff like this, people are willing to give it a, you know, I'll give it a chance to see where it goes. You know, sort of like me with the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. It was like, well, I'm not going to judge the second <laughs> one until I see the third one. And I saw the third one. I'm like, okay, this is this, this is all crap. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> Going flew off the rails. But uh, you kill the Kraken off between movies. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> that is weird. Um, it's like... <laughs> So so yeah so I don't th- I don't think people seem to mind I mean there's yeah. people I've seen like the true you know the the purists freak I don't think there's that many Final Fantasy VII purists like, I don't the, either yeah. even the people that love Final Fantasy VII you know seem to acknowledge that there's a lot of room for improvement in that original mm-hmm. version and on top of that like they've if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan you've seen this thing go through some weird shit over the years like Advent Children was a very strange follow up to that game. Uh, the Vincent Solo game was a very strange follow-up to that game. Mm-hmm. Crisis Core rewrote some things already. Yeah. I'm sure the remake will rewrite even more things. Um, the, the the Final Fantasy VII has been under kind of a constant state of revision ever since Square started expanding on it. Mm-hmm. So like changing, you know, I don't think it's that. I don't think narratively it's the sacred cow that maybe you might think from the outside of the fandom. It's just like everybody kind of seems to know that like there's there's certain beats they want. There's certain right. things they right. need to be in there. But like how you get between those two things seems to be pretty open. Here's what I think. I think everyone's going to be cool until one of one of the things that they perceive to be one of those big beats is not in the game. Yeah, that's true. But like the thing I will say is like most of most of the fandom seems to agree on those big beats. They do. And it would be very hard for me to imagine Square leaving any of them out. Mm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Because we'll most see. of them have to do with like either big moments in the main story or like when you join up with various characters that become your party. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that the thing I'm most curious about is how they're going to handle Kat-Chi, um, who is the weirdest thing in that game. And I'm not sure how you pull that off in the the kind of semi-realistic realistic graphical style they have for the remake. I just wonder how pacing-wise it's going to work because you know you had all this time to get to these moments in the mm-hmm. OG game, but... Well, I'll I'll tell you how. Um, having experienced a lot of Square's other like Japan JRPGs in the last several years, uh, pacing wise, it is not going. <laughs> they're to not going to do it because <laughs> they are terrible at that. Yeah. So no, That's they're not going to at. do that. Yeah. Um, but they're gonna be like they'll be there, clunky or or you know cringy as they are, will be there. My my main thing is that is that character is like uh, a catchy, which is like how. You know, it's a it's a cat riding a Moogle who apparently is a 
automaton. We've seen weird back but, then, but it now. We've seen weird then, but now you're like, <laughs> it's just how, the way it is. <laughs> how, how are you going to make, it's just like, I'm trying to picture like the visual style and kind of the presentation uh-huh. they have How's for Remake. Work? And I'm like, okay, so by the end of the next game, the party's going to consist of a talking cat wolf and a, a cartoon cat on top of a big blob. And I'm yeah. like, how in the world are, is this going to play out in a group conversation? Yeah. I just Like, I'm trying to picture this version of Cloud just accepting that that's who he lives with in an airship now. And I'm like, I don't know how that... I don't know how you're going to get there. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to see it happen. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, this has definitely not played out how I anticipated. Like, I mm. really thought that the remakes would be... would steer closer to the source material than they have. I've only played one of them so far, and I was okay with what they did with it. So, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for Rebirth. Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with, like, the changing of the thing. I mean, obviously, I don't yeah. care, really. But, like, um, I don't even know a lot of the first one well enough to know when they were changing stuff, except for, like, the big strokes. I was yeah. like, oh, that's different. Okay, mm-hmm. that wasn't how it was. Um, and, you know, add, obviously adding the, the, the ghost things and the... And the you know they flesh out Jesse and the side characters more, which I think is good. Like yeah. I think you needed to do that because they were yeah. they were you know nothing in the original game. And there's a point at which when you know when the plate comes down, you're supposed to, you know of Midgar, you're supposed to care about these people who died. And like the way to do that is where the, the way the remake did it was like you make you 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 get have Cloud get to know the people in that neighborhood and sort of you know make it a place that you care. You know. It, I mean, I don't because I don't think it's very well told. But like, I but that's what they're doing, and I think that that is the correct choice, mm-hmm. you know, writing wise. I think they're doing they're doing their best. Um, so we'll see how they get. Yeah, you know, this is this is yeah, this is all new. The the, the there were no banshees from Darby O'Gill and the Little People in uh, in the original <laughs> Final Fantasy VII. I mean, there's just gigantic changes. Let's be honest. It's it's almost unrecognizable if it weren't places, for the yeah. characters. Like it and would be little very... thing. Like yeah, this fight is very different. The the one the weird guy who shows up on the motorcycle mm-hmm. and like is like a superhero yeah and then he never comes back again like i, I assume he'll be back in the new game like, i mean yeah. you know uh but anyway so final fantasy 7 rebirth the second installment in the final fantasy 7 remake supposed to come out next year exclusively for playstation 5 i would add yeah. no Although, ps4 version no yeah i mean i think we saw that i think next yeah. year is going to be the year of things yep. finally moving thank to god next gen only. i was ready for it this year but. i'm gonna bet that it's not going to make a lot of difference for this game yeah um <laughs> but maybe at least we won't have to see a cloud slowly shimmy his way through narrow passages between dumpsters and walls again yep um and then the other big announcement was something that matt teased a little earlier final fantasy 7 crisis core reunion it is, as it turns out, it's not actually a remake. It is more of a remaster. Um, they haven't really changed the structure or the story of this much. A lot of it is just cosmetic. Like, they've completely redone the character models for both the characters in the game. I mean, and they'd have to. It's the a PSP monsters. Game. What'd you say? They'd have to. It's a PSP game. Yeah. Um, and that's weird, too, that this this is actually a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. So this leads up to basically right at the to the beginning of of Final Fantasy 7. And it was odd that something that you would think would be really important would end up being a PSP game. But that's the way things well, happened they, back yeah, then. Yeah, they had no I mean you remember they did they did the what was it? It was the it was the uh, ACBCCDC set. Oh remember? yeah, that's right. Advent yeah. Children yeah. before Crisis, which was a terrible mobile game that never even came out. It left Japan. Yeah. Uh Crisis Core, which was this and um Dirge of Cerberus. Yeah, uh, those were your big final. Well, they had a name for it. They had one of those dumb names. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but Square likes to name things as a group. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was like the only thing out of those four things that really 
you know, mattered. It is an action RPG. Full, yeah. real-time combat. It's not turn-based like Final Fantasy yeah. VII was. Now, I am curious about it because, you know, they're going to have to change some things because of the things that changed in Remake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine I have to imagine this is going to connect. Do you think up they'll change remake. the plot in this to make it work with remake? I think so. Yeah. I don't think they are. I think they will. Huh. What I read about this is it's pretty. It's going to be pretty weird if they do make a cosmetic big... facelift. That I don't believe that for one second. Like if they if they just make this if they make this happen and play out the way it originally played out, like the remake con- directly contradicts it. So I don't know why you're making this if you're, especially considering you're using the same art style and same character designs, if you're not going to try to make this connect up. So this is coming to everything. This is coming to PS5, PS4, Switch, Xbox, uh, and PC. It's coming this winter. Um, it was released, the original was released back in 2007. So there was a big gap between Final Fantasy VII and this. Um, the new version, according to Square Enix, enhances the graphics to HD and updates all the 3D models in the game. Full voiceovers and new music arrangements uh, present this epic tale of strife and heroism, presenting Final Fantasy VII in a brand new light. Um, yeah, it just says, enjoy a more beautiful and accessible Crisis Core, going way beyond just a simple HD remaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just for those of you who don't know, it is a prequel, as I said, to Final Fantasy VII. The storyline takes you from the war between Shinra and the people of Wutai to the events in Nibelheim, ending just before the beginning of Final Fantasy VII. And there's a, some t- weird twist to this game. Like, at save points, you can... Do you remember? Did you play this, the game? Yeah. So it has this weird thing at save points that I had completely forgotten about. You can opt to take one of take a side mission mm-hmm. at a save point. And if you do, Zack has moved to a, a different area that's completely separate from the core game, which is weird. Um, and then you fight, like, a bunch of monsters there or whatever. Yeah, it's basically side dungeons. Yeah, and if you complete the mission, you're rewarded with, like, items, and then you get it unlocks other new missions. And then whether you're successful in it or not, Zack returns to the save point eventually. Mm-hmm. It was a weird kind of twist. There's a way to not have an overworld, right. basically. Yeah, and um, um, do you think I, they'll have that in this as well? I imagine they'll have some version of that, yeah. Yeah. Um... I wasn't amused. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Jeff Kanata said that he had never played this game when they. I think you've mentioned that before. Actually, uh, no, I, I haven't mentioned it before because it happened two days ago. Um, I thought he had mentioned that many times. He me- we mentioned that he never played it, and then someone responded to him on Twitter and said, "Here's you reviewing the game ten like all those years when it came out, like on." on <laughs> he and he's he like, "Oh my god, I have absolutely no memory <laughs> of this." Are you yeah, kidding me? he's like, "Dude, I'm worried now." Oh my god, <laughs> he's like, "This happens way too often." <laughs> That I don't remember any of this, and someone's like, "Here's actual video of you doing the thing you don't remember doing." Well, here's that's the, the whole statement of I've forgotten. I mean, more I can't blame anyone you know. for forgetting that they played this game. Yeah, I I'd forgotten about that side quest thing at save points until you mentioned it. I feel like some people could come to me and be like, and ask me like, "Shane, have you reviewed this game, or have you not reviewed this game, or previewed this game, or not previewed this game?" And I don't think mm-hmm. I get a hundred percent right. Probably not. I I, rem- I think I remember almost everything I've ever reviewed. If you were to ask me, mm-hmm. but I certainly don't remember everything I've ever played for yeah. like previews and segments and whatever. Like that's just that's, too many really things. Tough, I mean, yeah. I played some garbage in, yep. in my day for that for like an hour. Like this is not important. Yep. And then the combat, it's all pretty much driven by materia. Basically, whatever materia has Zach equipped that determines what attacks you have. Um, it's a definitely definitely a different take on the Final Fantasy formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're looking for something maybe a little different, and actually the funny part is this actually inspired the remake because it's real-time combat. 
It's funny watching. Yeah, this is kind this. of the first direction, first time they tried that in Final yeah. Fantasy. Yeah. This and, and Dirge of Cerberus were sort of like, oh, yeah. what happens if we make these characters controllable? Yeah, it's interesting to see. So, um, and that was really the crux of the whole presentation by Square Enix for the 25th anniversary. I think that's it was pretty good though. I mean, we're going to talk about an anniversary. To, to just if we absolutely went. must acknowledge it, then yeah, sure, <laughs> it was fine. I mean, we're going to talk about another anniversary later on in the show that was not handled as well at all and had much less. Uh, things to speak about afterwards than this did like it square enix took it seriously mm -hmm. i guess is what i'm getting at um are you more excited to play rebirth than you were for remake or does no. it does it matter <laughs> i could not possibly care less about yeah. that game yeah um you know, i'll probably play it when it comes out just to see but mm -hmm. like no i don't i don't care yeah i never finished remake i'm like kind of curious about I got crisis like 30 Core. hours in i'm close to the end but i never i finished. got to chapter 13 or something and i just i was in yeah i was in nondescript boring ass dungeon number 12 or whatever and i'm just like i don't care yeah. anymore i don't want to do this anymore it became like, the combat became annoying to yeah, me i just wasn't interested i did the boss fights in particular the, all the chip that you mm. had to do it's just like chip chip for chip, me chip, it was just how boring the i mean I, the fighting is okay but i got it i just like like the third or fourth time in the same dungeon floor i had to shimmy through another mm -hmm. narrow i'm like yeah i think i literally stopped in the middle of mid shimmy and just turned it off and never turned it back on. <laughs> I was just done. Like, that game just feels so primitive in yeah. terms of its gameplay design. Not yeah. the combat design, but, like, the the dungeon and world is... It just feels like... It feels like it came from the previous generation. And by they're, previous they're generation, I mean PS3. Yeah. yeah, like... Like, they're hiding the loading with the shimmy yeah. through. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, that's it's exactly what they're doing. Of course, it's what they're doing. That's straight like, out of Metroid Prime. Like, that's why I say, like, maybe this one will be better because they won't need to do that on the PS5. Right. Like, yeah. obviously. You would hope not. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, maybe Square will find a way, but like, <laughs> or maybe they're gonna say that it was like a conscious decision that they made. They wanted the player to have a respite from the action. They tr I'm sure they. Tr I'm That's sure someone in some interview to tried to say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's take a look at chat and see what you guys thought about this 25th anniversary celebration. Um, ETH Demon says they have said there are some changes to make it fit into Final Fantasy VII Remake, but we will see what those are. Okay. Um, Mr. Stallwalker says Zack is a great character in Crisis Core. Yeah. Take your word for it. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> um, and there's a spoiler in there I'm not going to read. Um, Andy T. Monahan, they also have other games from that previous Final Fantasy VII compilation in the early 2000s, plus the connections from Crisis Core and Advent Children, the tease of a young Genesis in the trailer people thought was Kadaj from Advent. See, that is just too much. <laughs> That's just too much. Like, mm -hmm. expecting somebody to know all that before you go into playing a game is absurd. So, if that's... I don't think they expect you to know that. I think what, it's That's like, what I was getting at. Is that if they are shaping Rebirth to be a game that doesn't... You don't aren't required to know what Andy T. Monahan just shared, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, well, I wouldn't think you would. I mean, be, I think it would be like, this, like the Star Wars or Marvel things where it's like, if you know, you know. Yeah. But otherwise, you're not gonna, you're not going to be like... You know, you have to be like, I don't understand. I mean, some of it's like weird because you're like, why is that character given such a... Because I know Square does stuff where like, you know, a character I that maybe was in one thing 20 years ago shows up in this thing and suddenly gets like a big hero shot when he comes in. And I'm like, okay, clearly I'm supposed to know who that is, but I don't. So what mm -hmm. are you doing? You know, maybe they're toning that down. Mm -hmm. Like just, you know, making the, cameo, making the cameos a little more natural. You know yeah. what I mean? Kevin Rafa brings up probably the big question everyone wonders, will Aerith's fate be the same? Like, could you see yeah. them changing that? 
Well, my guess, if you're going to do all this timeline switching stuff, my guess is that that's the change that caused the timeline to, to, to ripple. Oh, really? And, like, the big crux of the of the thing is going to be they have to make sure she dies again. Like, I think, that, I think that's what's going to be the, <laughs> you just, the thing. The, you just shared the biggest spoiler in the history of video games. If you don't know that, <laughs> stop watching this podcast. Somebody what are you doing somewhere here? watching this show is going to be real pissed I don't off. care. It's his sled. <laughs> Be media literate, for God's sake. Uh, yeah. Uh, in Murder on the Orient Express, everybody did it. Like, everyone knows that. Ethan um, even says the release date technically is March 2024, so it really mm. probably is going to be. Or is winter, so it probably is going to be yeah, March 2024. Yeah, it could be winter. Yeah. yeah. They weren't specific they about could, that. They could sneak it into December if, they were, if they were clever, but I feel like that's a 2024 game. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that that's going to be the big conflict. Is like you got to make it try to play out though. Because I think if if it doesn't play out the, there's going to be something where if it doesn't play out the way it played out in the original game, it's even worse. Right. Like Sephiroth wins or it's something, possible. or something worse happens. Yeah. So I think that's what's going to be the crux. Is like you're going to have to try to force everything back to the way it was, and that's going to be a tragedy because you don't want some of those things to happen again. Yeah. So uh, now instead of it being like a random, oh my god, what the fuck happened moment, it's going to be something you have to choose and make happen. Which is like kind of the only way to make that shocking moment tragic again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like um, Lestevez just one. He just subscribed at tier one. Thank you very much. He also says though, I hated how you got the summons in Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah, and like that's, I could see that as being a change that most fans probably. Weren't I haven't liked yet. how the summons have worked for like three games yeah. now. Yeah, like I, I think they really like it was, Final I think Fantasy XV. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Really it's like bad. random, and you couldn't get like what the fuck. Like, it was, used to be big strategic. You know, like atom bombs, basically, yeah. and now they're just like, oh, maybe just one day, them. who knows? Yeah. It's just like it's so <laughs> dumb. It's like they make so many weird choices for the sake of be- being a weird choice. Like, there's a point at which it's like, someone should just be like the win, you know, the, the quick win button when you don't know what else to do. When you when you when you yeah. or, or even like, her down, yeah, that's what I. You should or even in for. Final Fantasy VII, I really, you know, Final Fantasy VII was cool. Where like I did like that you could manipulate the materia system to call you know you could cast knights of the round like five times in a row because mm-hmm. you just like caused yeah. those chain reaction thing like that was cool yeah. like and it's like oh it took so long yeah but don't do it if you think it takes too right. long you know like, yeah but I unleashed that thing unleashed hell on uh, on Sephiroth when that happened and some I thought of the that bosses was a lot of in fun. that game you almost had to do that to beat him I felt like oh if you were doing the <laughs> weapons like the the emerald and ruby weapon you you had to yeah. you, like that was how you you survived yeah yeah. And that is one part of the remake they got right, is the boss fights taken forever and just... Blows my mind. Too long, in my opinion. Blows my mind I had the time and and effort to, like, beat those stupid secret weapons. We were kings. We had nothing else to do. I was 21. I should have been out drinking. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You should have been out drinking. Uh, Galen Damov, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, Your second month. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, so I think that's it. That's all the big headlines from the Final Fantasy VII 25th anniversary. I think they did it right. Um, they announced two new games. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, two what new else games. are you going to do? And um, and stuff to look forward to for the next couple of years related to Final Fantasy VII. There's also that mobile game that I believe is like the more true like Final Fantasy VII experience. I can't remember what the name of it is. Is it mm. called like Crisis Core? No, it's there's there's some mobile game that is a more direct translation of the original Final Fantasy VII story. Um, so you guys can look for that if you want something that stays a little more close to the source material. But um, it definitely looks like it's kind of flying off the rails a little bit relating to what the original game was. But I think most of us are just okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about 
the biggest release of the week easily. And this just will put into perspective for you what kind of a week it was for game releases. Only release of the week. <laughs> the, the only real big release of the week. It isn't a terrible diving simulator. That's yeah. all I've been playing. Um, and that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, the revival of the classic cooperative arcade TMNT games from... Were those the 80s or the 90s or the 90s, weren't they? What? The TMNT arcade uh, games. TMNT arcade, arcade game, I think, was 90. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't in the 80s. But no. still, nonetheless, I mean, the, the Ninja Turtles come from the 80s, but they didn't hit critical mass. And so maybe the maybe the Konami game was 89. The, the arcade game was 89. Yeah. Because it was an NES game. It's uh, right on the fringe there, for sure. It's right there, late, 80, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I, I associate them more with the 90s in terms of the big boom, because the the, the live-action movie was 1990, right. and that was where it really hit critical mass. I just always just associate arcade with 80s. Because mm-hmm. to me, like once it got to the 90s, that's when things started changing. It became oh, I, harder to find I have two very different... Like There's a big separation point. For me, 80s is like the classic stuff, and... You know, Gauntlet and, uh, you know, really, really classic stuff. But then, like, Gauntlet and Ghosts and Goblins and Shinobi and, you know, all stuff like that. And then Street Fighter 2 comes out. Yeah. And that's 90s. 90s is fighting games in the arcade mm-hmm. to me. 90s Mortal is fighting Kombat. games and NBA Jam mm-hmm. and Pinball and SNK stuff and that kind of thing. Like, yeah. the, it all just became that. Mm-hmm. So those are the two. Like, like and then 80s, by the mid-90s, that's when consoles started taking over. Yeah. By the end of the 90s, that was pretty much all gone. You could only go to Dave & Buster's to play arcade Yeah, go to Dave & Buster's to play timed garbage <laughs> that you can't even lose, really. Yep. Um, um, but yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, those arcade games, were a part of that rush in the early 90s. They mm-hmm. kind of kept arcades alive, in all honesty. Um, so I do have fond memories The big four-player machines games. were a big, big deal. Like all mm-hmm. those beat-em-ups, Gauntlet, X-Men, Rampage, all, all that yeah. stuff. Man, I would love to see them give X Men this treatment. Yep, like make X Men a good game. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> it really wasn't. It wasn't. It, it really was I pumped a, a lot. Of, I pumped a lot of quarters into that game, but that game is garbage. <laughs> it really that is. game is awful. Yep. Well, this game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge, is not garbage. No, it's very, very good. Well, I, I know everyone is like loving this game, and like I can see the chatter on social media. I have definitely not liked it as much as most people have. I've en- I enjoyed it. But I did feel like it was pretty shallow after I had gotten I mean, about halfway through the game. I mean, that's the nature of these games. Like, they are yeah. what they are. Uh, but there, there's I a- just felt like in 2022, there could be a little more depth to the combat than there is in this. I like, think there is plenty. There's enough in this. You think? Yeah. You can get through a level without getting hit. That is not true of the old game. Like, I like couldn't there, do that in there's, this game. There's, it's actually one of the challenges on several oh, really? levels. Like, you, they expect you to be able to do that. And you can. Like, you, you do have the tools to do that in this, which is... Uh, maybe the first time I've ever seen that happen in a game that wasn't a Streets of Rage game of this nature. Yeah. Um, and also that's partially because this is one of the few, there's been a few designed specifically for home, but usually these games were designed for the arcade and they're cheap. Yeah. yeah they're not, they're going to cheat to hit yeah, you. Yeah. Like they want you to die. Yeah. Um, this one does not. This one gives you a lot of tools to survive things. Well, just the idea that you can make it through a level by yourself. Yeah. Which I had to do because I don't know if you had this issue. I had a lot of problems getting like people to match up with my games. I never got any match. Even though I, I turned crossplay on, I never got any like mat ma- You played by yourself the whole time? Yeah. See, I did not. Like at first I found it was very hard to find people to play. You'd have to sit there for forever. And then yeah, someone I would join and then they'd drop. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can play with up to six people online in this though. And it's just complete mayhem once you do get that many people. And the game does not scale well for people. The more people you have, the easier it gets. Like, it doesn't... I don't think they could throw enough sprites on screen 
to satisfy mm-hmm. six human players. Well, I, the challenge of six players, uh, at least from the footage I saw, is finding you, finding yourself if yeah, you're playing a turtle. It just becomes like, complete mania. Like, if basically. you play, my, my advice is if you play six players, pick April or Splinter, because that's the only way you're going to be able to see where you are at all times. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you're just a, it's just a blur of green. It becomes insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the game, I did play with other people. Like, I didn't get a lot of B-roll with other people. I think towards the end, I played with one other person. But after, like, from that point on, I went and played in, my living, in the living room because I didn't need to capture anymore. And I played with, like, four for a long time. I played with five for a little while. Mostly it was usually two or three players because you get sick of waiting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, like, the matchmaking system's busted, but you have to sit there a long time to try to get someone to play along with you. But... As I said, you can complete these levels mm-hmm. by yourself. I also think a lot of people are not playing online. I think they're playing couch co-op. That could be. Like, that's kind that of the appeal too. of this, really. That for absolutely a lot of could be true. Um, but I had more fun playing with other people. Mm-hmm. But there's, but to, again, to my point about what I believe is a lack of depth in the combat, there's also no, like, team-up stuff where, like... There's you, several team-up things. Well, they happen kind of organically, where, like, I'll throw somebody, and then while that... that enemy mm-hmm. is flying through the air someone will like drop kick them or whatever yeah i mean but that's also better than like the old games where there was none none yeah i, I just i don't know i still feel like we, t- we talked about this game very briefly last week because we were saying it was coming out or whatever and i talked about the streets of rage 4 release that came out not that long mm-hmm. ago and how i was really disappointed that that was stayed really true to the og streets of rage aesthetic this game doesn't necessarily but i still feel like it can go way further i don't agree I think this is as far as you should go with this kind of game. But all you have is like one quick attack and one super attack, you and then you can hit. No, you have way you can more hold, than that. You, you can hit tap X and square, and that's another one. You have the upper attack. You have the hold and and that. You have the the low run rush attack. You have the high rush attack. You have the back flip back. You have the back flip back counter. You have the jump attack. You have the double jump and slash attack. You have uh, various grab counters that do various different things, and then you've got the different super move and uh, uh, super bar expansions that only happen as you level up, and you do level up too slow. Um, and you level up per character, which I understand yeah, why you want to do that, but you better make sure you know you know who you want to play as if you're, before you settle in, because redoing that, yeah, it's hundreds of kills to get you know up into the echelon where you're getting the good I think super moves. More than moves. that. Um, <laughs> lots it's not it, it, I mean it goes hundreds of kills up to you until you're really building up into the early like super move attack the aerial super stuff and things like that that takes a while to get to um, which theoretically shouldn't be that hard because you're supposed to be playing this a lot with people and like trying to get your best things or whatever um, but it's you know it's per character so you 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 gotta commit yeah. you know you gotta decide who your turtle is and you gotta go with you that you stick with them yeah and um so yeah, but like yeah, in terms, of, but there's a lot to do, uh, and I think for the most part, uh, it's pretty good. I think the super moves are balanced well to, in terms of how often, <clears throat> like for how example, often you get something to use them. that happened right there was like I had something that I wanted to pick up, and the screen shifted lower before I picked it up, and I could not go back and get it. I think you did get it though. No, your, I didn't. Your get health it. went back up. Oh really? Yeah. So got, it gave got, it to me. You got your health back. Oh. Yeah. Because I saw you do. I saw the screen scroll. I'm like, oh, you missed the pizza, and you went up, but then your health went up. Oh, so it gave it. to I think me, it did basically. give it to you. Interesting. <laughs> Unless it, I completely saw the wrong thing there, I think it did give it. But to it does you. have tropes like that where this once it scrolls on, you can't go back and like oh, yeah. pick up stuff. And, oh yeah, it's a it's a it's an arcade beam up. Yeah. Um. So I I enjoyed it and I played all the way through it. And I think it took me an hour and a half to play the whole thing. There's like 15 or six, I can't remember, 15 or 16 stages. Yeah, 15. They, they take about five to seven minutes each, yeah. I would say. And if you're playing with other players, they take less. You can get mm-hmm. through them like real fast. So, um, and I don't know how much this game retails for because it is on Game Pass. Uh, I think it's 20. That's right. 
Yeah. I think I'm okay with that. If it is 20 bucks, I think that's about right. I think I saw it. Was it 20? Maybe it's 25. I can't remember. I can't remember if I saw it for 20 discounted or if it was that was the price. I don't yeah. remember. Now there is some incentive to go back and play it again with a different turtle or a different character because they do have different moves. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe you relate to one weapon more than another or one turtle more than another. So there's I think a whole lot of people probably picked Donatello first. Yeah. Because he's got the reach. Yeah, that'd be my guess. But he's not strong. So. Yeah. I just went with the guy who was middle down the whole thing. Like, my guy has two stars and everything, and I was like... It's Leonardo. Yeah. I went with Leonardo because he was he has my favorite weapons, so yeah. I just went with him. Yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with any of them, really, but like I always, I always, I think Leo's the good balance of reach and, and power, so mm-hmm. I went with that. Yeah. Um... And more or less was right. A couple times I wish I had the length of the staff to, to get people before they could counter me, but uh, it was all right. You got a little, a little, uh, your little overworld, which I think is a bit of a uh, reference to the NES game. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, know. there's like some, there's not really a flexibility in the way you play through the story, but you get these like side missions throughout the game where it's like collect five VHS tapes or collect mm-hmm. six of this thing. And then you do go back on this map screen to those people to once you collected all the things you need to to get the bounty. But the bounty is like points, and the points don't really mean anything. The points level you up. Yeah, but does leveling up really matter that much? Yeah, because you get more moves. When you play by yourself, it does. But like when you're playing with other people, like leveling up is almost irrelevant. Well, you get more moves. Your super bar extends. You get multiple yeah, you super get more bars. Health and all you get that more kind of health. You get more health. Multiple super. Of course, it matters. Like. I mean, it doesn't matter in the sense that it's not that hard of a game. Right. But it is if you turn it on expert and try not to get hit. Yeah, I played it on medium, as we as I generally do mm-hmm. for everything we, we discuss on Game Face. Uh, I didn't play it on the easiest setting. I grabbed the one in the middle. I um, mean, medium felt about right. Arcadey, right. It yeah. felt about, you know, like the game itself, the game combat, like the engine itself is not as cheesy as the original arcade game. So, it was, But it, it felt about the same. I mean, I could get through a level without dying. Um, for the first few levels, and then I started getting killed more often mm-hmm. about like level four, yeah, which is about right. Yep. Um, I will say that um, I still don't particularly care for the vehicle levels in these games. Yeah, they're so uh, where you're riding the <laughs> hoverboard or whatever. So you have two. Um, there's two. There's people, I know there's people levels. that love. I know there's people that love them because they were in the the Super Nintendo and Genesis games, yeah. but like I always thought those were they're terrible. cheap AF. Yeah, because stuff just comes off the screen and just hits you. There's no way you. I don't know how you. Some of those. It's levels, just it's just Battletoads crap. Yeah. Basically. How could you ever make it through one of those levels without getting hit? I mean, you can, you have to be but so you'd have, lucky. You'd, you'd, you wouldn't have to memorize you, everything. You, yeah, you, you have to know everything already. You could, t- I could tell sometimes when I played co-op with people who had played the game a lot, mm-hmm. because on those levels they would always know where to go to not get hit. Yeah, well, I mean, you get the little <laughs> warning thing. Yeah, and like the part, the problem the first time you do it is like you don't know what it's warning you about. Right, so right. Like, yeah. You know, now, you know, once you play the first one, you're like, okay, the thing it's warning me about is this barricade thing, so I just need to get out of the way. Uh, whereas later, it's like the thing they're warning about about is like a different level might be something that takes up the whole screen, so you're yeah. going to have to jump over it. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that until the first time it happens. But that's sort of, again, that is sort of true to its arcade roots. Uh, they don't want you to know everything because they want your next quarter. Um so it, it balances that a little bit. And the and the bosses are sort of the same way. You know, the bosses in the original game were like, you know, they were just meant to drain your quarters. Yeah. Like they, you know, two two good bosses. hits from Rocksteady could kill you, yeah. basically. And uh, and in this, like they're they're comboable for the most part. You can get out of the way more easily. You have more defensive tools in this game. The bosses, um, I think, are in a lot of them are easy in this game. It's yeah. very easy to figure out a pattern and a way to kind of cheese them. Yeah, the only real challenge for a couple of them is that how slowly the characters move vertically. Right. 
Um, that is a major annoyance for me in this game. But remember, in the original game, you basically couldn't hurt them. Like, you yep. hit them until they died, but, like, they weren't, they didn't react to the hits, really, outside of a couple of times. It, the, the weird thing about this game is how everything is on a plane, like mm-hmm. a 2D plane. So there's a little bit of wiggle room they give you, so if you're not exactly on that same plane as the enemy, you can still hit them. But that has been, like, the crux of me playing this is, like, tap down, attack, attack, tap down, attack, attack, until you get to that buffer zone where you can attack them without it being exactly on their same plane, so you have a chance to kind of dodge. Like, not being able to, like, transcend planes with your jumps can be very frustrating. Like, not being able to be at the top of the screen and then jump down to the bottom and attack somebody. It's very weird figuring out, like, how oh, much... I would never want to be able to do that. 3D movement oh. you actually have or don't have in this game. It, it was, like, so, uh, something I had to figure out before I started getting better at the game, I guess is a good way to put it. Like, how to manage, like, being on the same horizontal 2D plane as the enemies mm-hmm. or not. So that your attacks land or do not land. I mean, that that's, took that's, me some while to adjust to. All right. That's... that's, that's baseline beat-em-up stuff yeah to me. it is like, I, I mean I, again but this is 2022 like i feel like there's things that this genre has been doing for three decades that can be better and i don't feel like this game does I, a lot of that i don't know what you would, some people may want it to be i would not yeah I, everything you're describing to change i would say that would make it a different genre i would never want any of that why like, because that's what this game is that's what this series this genre is like i don't know what you mean when you say you want different vertical like I would planes. like to be able to be at the top of the screen and have an enemy at the bottom of the screen and jump and jump down to the bottom of the screen and attack that enemy. Oh no 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 no! Why? Because there because it doesn't work right. You never know where you are vertically. Um, there are games that have done that in this subgenre. There are there are beat 'em ups that have done that. Uh, usually in the 32-bit era, when exactly when you're talking about like where people were like, oh, we need to evolve this subgenre and sort of like figure out new and every time a game did that you you were constantly hitting jump and then accidentally being pointing in the wrong direction on the stick and when you wanted to just sort of jump over something you were suddenly at the bottom of the screen or you're suddenly at the top of the screen like you would need to give that its own button which i guess you maybe could do now but i don't know what the advantage of that would be like because that's what creates those scenarios where okay i can't jump down to the bottom of the screen so now i'm uh, there's one enemy left and I'm coming from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen and figuring out whether you're on that plane that he's on and in that buffer zone that they give you to land an attack. It gets kind of comical at times is what I'm getting at. Yeah, but that's just the nature of the game. That's just what a beat-em-up is. Yeah, and I think there's a reason why this genre disappeared for 20 years. Cause... Well, because it was a quarter muncher. Yeah. Like, that's all they did. I, I don't it think is. it's just because it was a quarter muncher, but... I think it is. Like it was quarter, A, it was a quarter muncher, and B, Sony basically outlawed 2D games, so that was sort of the end of this. No. Um, but th- that didn't happen on the Saturn. Like, that's where all the, you know, Princess Crown and Dragon's Crown and, uh, you know, the, the, the what was it? Uh, Odin's... Odin... Oh, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. I can't the the VanillaWare stuff. Yeah. Like, that stuff still still happened. There were, were niche things, but, like, that was... Odin's Sphere? Is that what Odin's Sphere. That's yeah. it, yeah. Um, that stuff still existed. It just wasn't like a big, you know, wide appeal thing because, uh, you know, the, the, the reason this genre really existed was because it was an efficient way to part you from your money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a cash grab. That's but, for sure. But the fact remains that there's people that enjoy it, um, and you learn to master it. And I'm one of yeah. those people. And so, yeah, none of that, that, all that stuff is just staple of the genre to me. Like, yeah. it's just, it's one of the things I accept is going to be part of this when I play one of these. I think um, this is, if you're a parent that has some kids, I think this is one of the best games you can buy. 
Oh yeah, I mean these these games have always been. It's that. so I mean, simple. Even back in the day, you gave the kids a bunch of quarters and told them to go play the Ninja Turtles game and leave you alone for an hour. Like, they would. Yeah, you not wouldn't an hour, see more, them. more ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. We're honest. They go through five bucks in about ten yeah, minutes yeah, for sure. But, yeah. Um, but the art is great. Yeah. Like they've done a good job with the animation. It's got just, some obscure shit in this. There like, is. There's yeah. some characters in here that have never been in hardly anything. Yep. Almost every level has tons of references to the old games. Uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a love letter to all the old Ninja Turtle stuff. Vincent also said I saw earlier in chat it's twenty five bucks, but there's yeah. like a launch discount right now where you can get it basically for around twenty. Yeah, that's I think that must have been what I saw. Yeah, but uh, I mean, which that's is a, also that's about a great right. price. Yeah, it's, I think that's the right price for it. It's for about sure. what you pay in quarters to play through the original. So <laughs> probably more than that, man. Honestly, I think you spent a lot more than that trying to play through this whole game back in the day. Um, but I mean, this game is even set up like that for the cheap desk. So this game does not try to kill you every 25 seconds like the yeah. arcade games. Did. And you they, get your, at least on medium, you do seem to get your lives back on each level. So you have, you know, three chances yeah. in each level. I, well, as you level up, you get more lives. Yeah. So like by the time I finished the game, I think I had six lives or something like that. Somewhere um, around there, five or six. I can't remember. Also the robots in this game are infuriating. All of them. Every robot in this game is the most annoying thing to fight. They're all they're all robots. Yeah. Well, but I mean the ones that actually look like robots, mm. like the little like droids or whatever, like the mousers. Yes. Oh my gosh, they're so annoying. Those flying things—they're so annoying. I yeah, never really annoying. ever learned how to really take them out. Double jump, spin attack. Is that it? The only yeah. way you can do it? I mean, it's the most efficient way. You can hit tons of them. Yeah. It's also the good way to hit uh, bosses if they're charged. Yeah, just tap tap A twice and then hit attack. Yeah. You and double you, jump you just and then hit spin. your attack. Yeah, and you do like a spinning like flipping sword attack yeah. at least my character did anyway i didn't like this yeah that's what leo does i think yeah. they all they all have some variant of that yeah did not like this boss yeah i didn't either um i think actually somebody joined me to for this boss fight and as soon as they figured out what they were doing they left yeah <laughs> they were like oh i don't want to fight this boss these and levels are not, these you. levels are not great but they've never been great they haven't so. yeah and i agree with you it probably would have been better off if they left these out but I understand they're they're feeling that they needed to include them because they are such a big part of the, 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 the yeah. Genesis and Super Nintendo games. Yep. But uh, I wouldn't have missed them. Yeah. This was this lasted just as long as it needed to. Like if it lasted more than two hours, I would have started losing interest. Mm -hmm. um, but the price is right. Um, I feel like they've made the right tweaks to the formula. I feel like it could evolve more, but I still think you buy this for you and your kids. You get hours and hours of entertainment because you're not going to get through this in two hours with your kids playing. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. You're gonna have to cover for them a lot yeah. of the time. And there's a um, there's like um, a team up thing where you can give you can give uh, another player life. Yep. Um, which is which is you can probably let really, them take pieces of your health bar. Yeah. Which is probably yeah. handy for if you're playing with your kids. Yeah. Uh, and if they if they get knocked out, you can go revive them. Yeah. Um, these guys are annoying too, by the way. These flying. That's, this is another one you you use that double jump spin with. Like yeah. the, the, This whole level is just double jump spin attack the whole, the whole time, way basically through. the whole way through. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, I see what you want me to do. Yeah. Um, you're trying to teach me that this this move exists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not the time to taunt, really. Nope. <laughs> and that's something we didn't bring up. You have taunts, and that, what is? I'm mean, I wasn't 100 sure exactly what that does. Fills it like your, fills your super bar. Yeah, and it lets you like attack more quickly. It gives you like this blue, like almost like mm -hmm. tracers on yeah. your character or whatever. Uh, it lets you like use your super moves. And then there's some people who just do it over and over, and it becomes so annoying. Like I played with this one person who played as the female reporter. And just kept doing it over and over, and that voice sample just kept playing over <laughs> and over and over. And I was like, "Can I mute these people? Nope. There's no place to. There's no way to mute them. Um, but those are the foibles of cooperative play, as it were, mm -hmm. and matchmaking in video games. That's just what you end up having to deal with. 
And I do think that that person was trying to grief me and make it as annoying as possible. No, I think that actually is a very efficient way to, to manage things. Oh, really? Because it gets you your, all, your whole super bar back. Yeah. If, you're, if, you're, uh, if you have multiple bars... And you do a taunt, you get all your super back. Like yeah. that's a big deal. Like you know. But you can... this person was doing it over and over. Like they had already got mm-hmm. their bar back, and they just kept spamming <laughs> it over and over. And she said something really annoying. Like I can't remember what it was, which is weird. I should remember because it's imprinted in my brain for like an hour straight. But but overall, I think the pricing is right on this. It's fun for a while, and it only lasts a while. So mm-hmm. I think it it ultimately works out pretty well. Um, it is free on Game Pass right now, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and if you pay 20, 25 bucks for it, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't begrudge anybody for, for that. No, I think that's about the right. There price. is replay value in the game. Um, and, and you're going to, it's like, you'll always probably play it. You know, if, uh, you, if anyone, you know, who, who knew the arcade stuff or the turtles back in the day, you put this on and they'd be like, Oh yeah, let's play. Like you're yeah. going to get this. You're going to get play out of this for a long time. Thanks to the couch co-op, I think. And it is innocent. Like there's nothing in here that your kids are going to see. They're like, Oh gosh, I can't believe they put that in there. Like it's all copacetic i don't think you're gonna have any issues with your your little ones playing this at all and you'll have fun too particularly if you like matt and i and you have some nostalgia for this old wrinkly genre it is crazy how few games like this are released anymore yeah well i mean they're not like they're, they're of a they're of a time even indies don't release that many so they're a lot of work yeah um i mean I, this is up there with some of the best of my, I, I think scott pilgrim is probably still the best modern one of yeah. these it's really good. You can, you'll still f- still see that like going up for free on Epic Game Store or whatever. Mm-hmm. Make sure if you see that, you snag it. Because it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd agree with that. That's probably... I like Actually, I like that game better than this one. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, I, I think Scott Pilgrim is the gold standard for this, this genre. And who would have thunk it? <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes licensed games aren't bad. Um, um, and this one's not bad either. I was I was having a conversation about that the other day about like like you know about uh, someone who once had an argument with Jeff Kanata over um, <laughs> he maintained that there were uh, that there was no such no possible way for a movie licensed game to be good oh and I was like well Chronicles usually, of Riddick Chronicles of Riddick Wolverine Origins yeah like it happens there it doesn't happen some, a lot not a but lot, it does happen but there are some um, even if you want to limit it to like just things that came out alongside the movie as like a uh, where it's you know the movie gets a tie in thing and not just like based on a movie like mm-hmm. this is a few them yeah they're up there not There's, a ton golden eye yeah i don't know if you want to count that because it came out so long after the movie yeah but, but uh <laughs> still it is based on the movie you're playing through it's one movie. of the greatest games of all time by a lot of people's measures um, the, GB, so. the gba harry potter games the yeah. first like three of those are really good action Duck RPGs. Tales, well they're not based on a film um but. no the 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 ds version of star wars episode three is a really good hack and slash game like this one yeah um it happens. It definitely Not happens. Not very often, but every once in a while. Not all the time, but like every once in a while. You find a needle in the haystack. Uh, so there you go. That is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Available for pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, Hard again, to avoid, really. Yeah. And again, free on Game Pass. So if you are a subscriber to Game Pass, this is... Uh, or probably worth it to re-up for this month if you cancel just to play this game. Because it costs 20 bucks and you can re-up for like 13 So even if you just want to play this game... You're going to save $7 this month on Game Pass. Again, why we keep saying it's just the greatest deal in gaming. There's no denying it. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next. I don't remember what's next, honestly. Uh, we're going to talk next. We didn't run the ad. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, well, that's okay. I can always put that in post-edit. I suddenly realized I hadn't seen Montana today. Yeah, today's the last day. Actually, the last episode with that ad in it as well. 
Uh, we're going to talk next about Starfield because we talked about Starfield after the Xbox and uh, the Bethesda showcase. And since then, there has been tons of interviews and things that have come out with Todd Howard where he has given up a lot more information on the game that we didn't have when we discussed it last time. Um, also, I, I tend to think that this is like the biggest game in the industry right now. Am I wrong in assuming that? I don't think. I mean, uh, this and Zelda are kind of the, the big dogs right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, as far as games that are coming in the immediate future, God of War <laughs> in that class. But, yeah. But Starfield. I mean, Zelda somewhere in there. Like, yeah. it just they don't talk about it much. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, this is definitely one of the 800-pound gorillas. This, of, this is of a the game that people schedule. are constantly going to look for updates on. And we have got a lot of updates on it over the last week. And we're going to discuss them right now. Um, some of them I think will make people happy. Some of them I don't think that they will. Um, one of the big things that came out this week is that um, there's no seamless travel from the planet to outer space. That was mm -hmm. I think we actually wondered that aloud yeah. when we talked about it before. Now he has confirmed that that is in fact not the case. It looks like there's going to be loading times in between being on a planet and ending up yeah. in space. Well, by loading times, I mean there's an animation of flying up to the through the atmosphere yeah kind of like what they did with destiny yeah and lego star wars yeah uh, you're right there's another game that does that um how do you feel about that matt it's fine it doesn't bother me but it seems like it's really bothering people well the people that seem to think this was like no man's sky 2 yeah. i guess but like i didn't really expect that to be a thing i mean i'm pleasantly surprised you can fly the ship like i'm <laughs> frankly i mean and build the ship yeah and, and like, like customize it and... like i would have been like that sucks if it's just like outer worlds where like you can just like you have to you know click on the planet and fly there but whatever it's like i, I did not really you know i like 30 percent expected you'd be able to fly the ship in space yeah you know yeah um so like most of that's a pleasant surprise <laughs> and like the fact that okay fine i got Flying from the ground to the space to space isn't that amazing, really. In, yeah. In uh, in terms of um, uh, you know, No Man's Sky, and I will also say this: like, what you're doing when you're flying from there to you know, from one place to the other in that regard is even. And No Man's Sky does this too. You're basic. It's basically a controllable load screen. Yeah. Um, there's, there's not and like one you're of doing the, anything And one of the things notable about No Man's Sky doing that is that back in the day when it first launched, that's one of the places it would crash a lot. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that's true. knowing what we know about Bethesda, it's probably better <laughs> that it's best. just a cutscene. Yeah. Let's not let's not strain them too much yeah. on this one. Let's not let's not make uh the the horribly grafted Gamebryo engine. <laughs> Try to figure out how to make a planetary Matt, approach. Matt, why are shall they we? using their old engine for this? I don't know. Why? I mean, it's un I mean, you couldn't. You can't even call it the old engine anymore. They've I mean, wrapped so many things you're onto right, it. But but like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't they know. They had so much time. I don't from know. Skyrim. I don't I, know. It. I mean, it doesn't really bother me, but like, you can see it. Yeah. In there. You know, you can see oh, little yeah. elements of Especially it. Especially the character models. Yeah. Like, there's only so far you can push it to make the character faces look good. Yeah. Matt, are um, you all I can say is they better be ready to switch for Elder Scrolls. Yeah, like they need a they need a leap in that regard. Yeah, and you're not going to get it out of this engine. So we're both in agreement that the uproar over the last seven days about not being able to fly to outer space and fly down to a planet is not a big deal. No, I think that's fine. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't. It's not going to bother me. I, I do not find it to be a big deal at all. It's just downtime in No Man's Sky. Yeah, it's not it's like just... anything interesting ever happened during that period. No, it's I mean, it's, it's cool. Like, it's, it's a technical feat. It's fun to watch like the planet. Material. But again, 
It took them years yeah. to get it so the planet you <laughs> you saw when you flew through the atmosphere was the same planet you saw from orbit. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it's, that's true. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's very hard, and like that's one of the reasons it's in No Man's Sky at all is because that was very important to the team, and I don't think it's very important to Bethesda. You know, Elite Dangerous does it too, I believe, or did it in a couple planets, and that was and he's cool, but it's it doesn't. It's not a make or break, and believe me, when you've landed on planet number thousand forty, it it is not a it doesn't matter anymore. Like it's yeah. There's a part of me that's just like God. I wish I wish I could just like autopilot this thing down at this point. And like <laughs> here we are, Matt. How do you feel after your and I would argue very articulate, well reasoned argument that this is not No Man's Sky. That over the last week, that has been what everyone has called it. Um, and even they even stole your line. In fact, I mean, I don't think they heard you say it and then mm-hmm. used it. I think it just naturally they came, they came up with the same thing. No man's Skyrim. Right. How do you feel about everybody kind of saying that that's what it is? Uh, it's not the first time a bunch of people have been wrong. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I feel like as someone who's played a lot of No Man's Sky, like I would know what I'm looking at when it comes to that. Like, for, I mean, for one thing, I've never done this in No Man's Sky. Uh, the combat in No Man's Sky does not match up to something. Oh yeah, like this. I mean this is like just gunplay um, in No Man's Sky. Period. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, you know, and I see that. I see what you know. Yeah, okay, you're flying across a gorge with a jetpack, but like, there, No Man's Sky didn't invent that. No. And again, they're planetary planetary exploration games. You are going to have similarities. It's like being mad that Gran Turismo because Forza's got cars in it. Yeah, like it's the same <laughs> fucking genre. Like. There's a very different takes on it, mm-hmm. but like, how about the fact that we waited around for 20 years for anyone to make a space game, and mm-hmm. now we've got like four of them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> who, what are you fucking complaining about? Yep. Um, another thing that came out this week: no voice acting for the main character. All cinemas in the game are in first person. I'll just say, after Fallout 4, good, <laughs> good. <laughs> So you have no problem with that no, at all? No, I have. Maybe there would have been a time, but Fallout Four taught me the error of my ways. Let's not have Bethesda try to animate Mass Effect style conversations. Let's just pick pick some text and have the the character react to it, and I will skip through the dialogue, and we can get back to the shooting and the flying. So you're saying that. if it were another developer, you would look at it differently? Maybe. Like, if it was Bioware, and they said, like, oh, we've gone back to the Dragon Age origin style, just pick, like, a block of text, and everyone's gonna talk back at you. Yeah, that would disappoint me. But mm-hmm. after Fallout 4, um, <laughs> let's, let's just go back to what we know, shall we? Yep. Um, Todd Howard also shared that the main quest is 30 to 40 hours long, and he called that 20% longer than Skyrim. Is that right? If you beeline Skyrim, yeah. Can you beeline my... Skyrim that fast? Yeah, I, was, uh, I really? have. Have you? Yeah. What's the fastest you were able to finish it? The main story? I probably like 30, 30-ish hours. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, look, I've it's very... It's way longer to me. <laughs> Granted, that was about, you know, that was probably my third playthrough of it. Yeah. Like, so I knew what I was doing. Yeah. But like, no, this, the main story of Skyrim is not that long, especially if you're fast traveling. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I, yeah, that, that, that tracks. And I'm sure there's going to be more than enough... I mean, look... That's how long it takes me to beat the main story of Skyrim, but my last playthrough of Skyrim where I decided to just do everything I could find to do took me like 120 hours. I mean, there's yeah. plenty of side stuff. I'm sure stuff. that's going to be the case here as well. And a lot of the memorable stuff in Skyrim is the side stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, that's true. Not worried about it. Okay. Um, then he also said the thousand planets are procedurally generated. Of course they are. Yeah. So Skyrim. I mean, we said that last week or the week yeah. before. 
that we there's no way they're going to be able but to that's handcraft. How they, but that's how these big games work. You procedurally generate the whole fucking thing, and then you handcraft yeah. little bits of it. Yeah. Like, that's you just how go it in works. And put your little flourishes on it. Yeah, they're yeah. all like that. The difference with No Man's Sky is they don't handcraft hardly anything. You know, that's, yeah, they don't build it like tree by tree anymore, like they used to. They never did, really. I mean. I mean, the trees were always the same. They were copy and paste, yeah. but they actually but did go then, in and manually place all that crap. But no, I mean, at best, you're talking about using like a paint tool yeah. over this. They're saying like you paint this area, say it's trees, and so and when it trees renders, appear. Trees. Yeah. No one's although not in, in early 3D games. They actually did put each tree down. Yeah, but they're that's, talking about like late 90s 3D games when they were like two polygons. Yeah, yeah. But like that was a, that was a harder thing. It's also notable that that um, once the middleware started appearing, um, that's when. But you had in-house tools that could do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also why they didn't make a lot of games like that back then. Yeah. Except you know who did? Bethesda. Yeah. Terminator. No yeah. one remembers their Terminator right. game from like 1988, right. where it had an open city you could run around <laughs> and try to stop the Terminator. You're just out there. Somewhere. Yeah, that's right. That was one of their first experimentations. With yeah, it. like they've done this for a long, long time. Um, and, um, yeah, what we, what, like, I lost, I was going to say another thing and I lost my We're talking about the procedurally generated planets. Yeah, it wasn't that. Oh, the, I think it's significant that Todd keeps bringing up Daggerfall. Yeah. Uh, which is a big, big, sprawling, open, holy crap, there's so much stuff, but it's also just everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. like Daggerfall is, the, is bigger than any of the other Elder Scrolls games. Like area, it's like square mile wise. Mm-hmm. Like it's gigantic, and uh, it did just go up for free on GOG with all these mo- with this mod that made it like a more of a modern game, like done in Unity. Yeah, um, I've never played Daggerfall. I was scared off of Daggerfall. I played Daggerfall after I played Morrowind because I wanted, and like I didn't. I mean, it's it's so it was so primitive. It was basically people just scared me off of it. I never gave um, it a chance. But the new one, the Unity remake that that has basically been you know crowdsourced almost. Um, that's good. Like, I'm not saying you're going to get through the whole thing, but like, it's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting, it's playable. Like, it's pretty good. It still does the thing that I couldn't stand from Morrowind where it rolls dice when you swing your sword. And if you, you can miss, mm-hmm. um, which I think is dumb. Um, I actually use them when I played Morrowind again, a couple years ago, I actually did put in the mod that made it. So you, the combat just made it so you don't miss because yeah. if I'm swinging my sword into you, I shouldn't miss. Yeah, it's, it's absurd. Not, <laughs> it's absurd. I mean, it's a lot like playing XCOM, where you're like five feet away, and you fire mm-hmm. your gun, and your gun misses. It's yeah. like, no, <laughs> five feet away from the enemy, yeah, there's no way I could miss this If you're going to do like a turn-based thing and have that, put in that sort of level of randomness or some kind yeah. of level of risk, like, fine. But if you're doing it, if it's real-time, if yeah. it's action-based, it's really absurd. The, the, the risk and the, and the randomness is that I had to get in close to the enemy. Yeah. And now when I swing my sword, having done that, I am rewarded by hitting him. Yeah, like the the die roll to figure out it to, to actually to miss in Morrowind is one of the dumbest things. Yeah, um, I can't believe there are people who prefer that. Yeah, to, to me either. But like, yeah, that's uh, that's the only thing about Daggerfall is like you have to go back to that system unless you you have a mod to change. But you do have tons of options in the in that the Reunity remake where it's like you can tweak it to be whatever you want it to be almost. Cool. Um, um, you got also- nothing else to play this summer, and you don't. <laughs> uh, maybe go check that out if you if you like. You want to see the origins of of the Elder Scrolls stuff. Yeah. Um, Todd also shared this week that there are four main cities, and New Atlantis, the one that we've seen here in this B roll, is the biggest of them all, and it mm-hmm. also is the biggest city that his studio has ever made. Mm. It looks big. I mean, that's a that's a big statement. <laughs> Not to be redundant with the word big, but that's. Those are some words coming mm-hmm. from this studio. Biggest city ever. I mean, that's no joke. Um, and he also said, despite the fact... Hope it's less annoying to walk around than Vivek. 
He also said that despite the fact that the 1,000 planets are procedurally generated, that the game still has more handcrafted content than any other Bethesda game ever made. Yeah. Because so. like I said, I gave, I'm sure they go on every planet and do little handcrafted places. Yeah. And you'll be able to pick those up as uh, you know, points of interest from orbit or whatever and land where they are. And just like Mass Effect did. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll also be able to just pick a random spot and set down and it's just going to be a barren wasteland. You can probably mine some resources or something and call it a day. But like I, I have no... I mean, people can, can rip on them all they want. Todd's not stupid. No. Th- those guys know what they're doing. They know exactly, and they're aware of the criticism they get, and they yeah. know what they're going to, they know what this needs to be. Yeah. I'm not, you know, will they have time to finish it the way it needs to be finished? I don't know. Yeah. But if you feel like Microsoft, I feel like Microsoft lets, lets them, you know, having them push this, I feel like maybe Zenimax wouldn't have allowed, they would have just lost it broken. Maybe. Yeah. Do you, do you think their games need to be this big, Matt? Um, I think this game. If it's going to take ten years to get one, I don't. Out each this time? game didn't take them ten years to make. Yeah, they've been working on this for like five. So like, you just think Fallout seventy six threw everything into a tizzy? They I don't know what they were doing for that period of time. <laughs> I mean, well, Maybe seriously. they're working on. They, I mean, they what made Fallout they four. Yeah, don't forget Fallout That's four. That's true. It was in there. Uh, and then there was a couple of years where they're working on Fallout seventy six, and I think they started this somewhere around twenty seventeen, late twenty seventeen, in earnest, and now we're here. Like, yeah, yeah it took a long time, but whatever. You know, that's. No one else makes these. That's one of the reasons no one else makes these. Mm. There are no other. There are no Skyrims made by other companies, really. Yeah. Avowed is the closest anyone's tried to do, and that's because Obsidian's done it before. I mean, games like Horizon are pretty close. But Horizon's not a huge open talk to everybody. Hang out, you know, like like. I mean, it, this, it is. But like, there's no consequence to any of that. Yeah. Like. There, there is a, there's a scope of uh, to Skyrim that is not there in Horizon. Much as I love Horizon, yeah, um, you know, it's just, it's just not the same thing. Um, there's, there's a. But then they do have, you know, voice acted characters and facial animation. They do yeah. other things more robust than Bethesda does. Yeah, but nobody quite does it the way Bethesda does. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. Like. You know, there's. I'm not saying they they take shortcuts or anything, but there's just something about the way they just sort of drop you in this world and like you just go mm-hmm. that just doesn't. Not no one else really quite gets that, and like and I, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe everybody else has better ideas or more curated ideas or more handcrafted ideas or more uh, streamlined versions of how, of what Bethesda does. But but love it or hate it, you know a Bethesda game when you play it. You do. I feel like Microsoft is going to try to get partly because they've used the same engine since 2011. But like, yeah, yeah. it's like it's still. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, I get it. I think Microsoft is going to try to get Bethesda to a place where it's getting one of these games every five years, though. I think they're definitely going to encourage them to have Elder Scrolls out before the next Xbox. Is yeah, out. I don't think yeah. they're going to tolerate the same but thing that Bethesda. Has there may doing. only be so much you can do with that. Yeah, I do think you could get away with Elder Scrolls not being this big. Yeah, like you I could. Agree. Like I think if Elder Scrolls Six is just as big as Skyrim, I think That's you're okay. fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Skyrim is too much for most people to finish anyway. Yeah. So just do that. Yeah. You got expansions. You got DLC later. Like, you can make it yeah. bigger. You can do other stuff. Like, fine. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll see. But I, I think for this game, yeah, it does kind of need to be that big. Because it you needs, have space it needs, and... Yeah, it needs to be cosmic. Yeah. It needs to be... Yeah. I, you need I to feel that. like you're you're in, you know, the, the wild black yonder or whatever you want to I agree with that. Um, and then he... In some of the interviews, he released some tidbits about the other games that they're working on. And he said that Elder Scrolls Six right now is in pre-production. Mm-hmm. So it's actually getting started, which is good. As they're wrapping up mm-hmm. this, they're getting started on Elder Scrolls. And then he said that Fallout 5 is coming after Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, so something to look forward to for our 60s. <laughs> Seriously. Like, we may be in our 60s by the time we play Fallout 5. Yeah. Like, at this point, like... 
Because Todd's a little older than us, right? Yeah. Like, there's a point at which Todd like has to realize, like, one of these what games I, might... What do I have might, left? Yeah, this, one of these games might be the game he retires after. Yeah. You know? Like, how I'll much longer How much longer Matt. can someone want to do this? I know. I'll say this too, Matt. One other thing that I've been seeing now that stuff's starting to happen again and people are starting to be on camera again. Like, Todd looks old now. Did you notice yeah. that in this presentation? He looks old. I'll say this, though. Like... He looks good. He like does. He, he's got like a grizzled dude thing yeah. going on. Like he's got an Indiana Jones look going on. But his on. his face way more wrinkled than the last time I saw him. And I feel like that's happening with a lot of people that are reemerging after this yeah, pandemic. Like, but I think I feel like everyone's aged like drastically during these last two yeah. years. I, but I do think like when I saw Todd at the, at the presentation thing, like Todd's one of those one of those men who like look looks better the older he gets. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's. Uh, look, I'm not making any comments about how he looks good or bad. I'm no, just saying he no. looks old. He does he does look older than than I remembered him from the last time I saw him four years ago. Yeah, but like no, I, I I mean I will say like I was like oh Todd's Todd's silver fox in it pretty well. Yeah. I think I think you think he's looking good. But it's just does this is to your point of like how many games do these people have left in them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you know I've talked I don't, before. I mean, I don't I'm upset that Miyamoto is working on like these amusement parks. Well, Miyamoto's never going to games. Ne- Miyamoto's never going to retire. He's going to work until he dies. But I don't think he'll. Do you think he'll ever make another video game? No, I don't I mean, either. And I hate that. Stuff. Like I hate that he'll probably never make another game. I think that's fine. I, I think, don't think it's fine. I, <laughs> I think he's one of he, the most brilliant if, people in our industry. Doesn't mean he has anything left to do. And like. The yeah. amusement park stuff is cool. Like, I'd rather play a new Miyamoto game than go to watch, check out his amusement park. I yeah. just would. I mean, there. Ha- well, sure, but there. Ha- I mean, I don't know. I don't. I think I'd rather do neither of those things at this <laughs> point. Um, I don't. I don't know. I. I don't. I, he doesn't want to. I think if he wanted to make a new game, he could. No, he, I agree. He could do anything, but he, he can just do doesn't what he want wants. to. He just. You're right. I think you're right. He just doesn't care anymore. He doesn't want to. He do made it his shit. He made. He did the yeah. hard work already. Like that's what I mean. That's why I say. Yeah, I never get tired of being creative though. As I get older, it's not like I'm like, oh, I did that. I'm good. Like I still strive every day to come up with new ideas and new ways to do things and new concepts. And yeah, but if you, to put those into into play, if you had to like shepherd a team of a hundred people, you might be less excited about it. Maybe over the course of three to four years. Well, the other like, thing too with games is the projects are very long. Yeah, and and you may work on something for two years and it's crap, and you have to scrap uh, it. Like that part of it, I get why he would not want to do it again. Um, Todd, I'm just being with, selfish. And with Todd, I'm not. Also, like I don't, I cannot imagine a Miyamoto headed game being any good at this point. Really? I think he's done his... Th- I, I don't expect particularly amazing creative work out of people that old, huh. frankly. I, I guess th- I give him the benefit of the doubt more than others. But. Yeah, well, I played Wii Music, and I don't. <laughs> was that even his concept, though? I mean, he... Con- I'm sure that was his concept. I know he tried to sell it. I don't it was know. in there. I mean, yeah. I, I'm... You know, he, he does have a hand in all these things. Yeah, he's at I least mean, he a goes supervisor. in and polishes and checks stuff out, but... I mean, the guy is still, you know, actively scaring people at retro, so, like... <laughs> You know, he's he's definitely involved. Yeah, he's he's. he's I wish he, he were more. He involved. hasn't. I I feel like a lot of the things I hear about his decision making makes me glad he's not. Like, mm. certainly, I'm glad he's not particularly involved in the Zelda games anymore because he doesn't want them to have stories or anything. He just wants I, I, everything he wants for Zelda has always sounded wrong. I mean, wrong. they still don't have stories. They do, Let's though. Be honest. <laughs> I mean. Alnuma's had to force it a couple times. If you times, put all the cutscenes from Breath of the Wild together, you well, may have the, like well, twenty five minutes. Well, Breath of the Wild is an exception because they just scaled way back on all that stuff. That's that's one of my complaints about Breath of the Wild yeah. for sure. But before that, even if I don't like, but the that's game now. Very much, I mean, Miyamoto's not touching these games anymore. That is Anuma. That's his game. Oh, he still answers to Miyamoto. Though. <laughs> I'm sure, but you watch that. You but watch he's that allowed di- to have much more creative agency yeah, but, than but he has. Well, also, I think the, the lack of story in Breath of the Wild to me is not Miyamoto. It's um, 
they made basically a tech demo and yeah, they could like, only how do, do so we much. Put a story like, in an open world. Yeah, so I think yeah. I think they will. I think we will see the here, see the answers to all those things in the next one. I hope so. Um, I think I think we we suffered through the demo. I know everybody thinks it's the greatest game ever made or whatever, but like uh, to me, it's more like the greatest toy mm-hmm. that got old pretty fast. Uh, I would love to see a, a real Zelda game made with that overworld. I agree. Hopefully, we'll get it. With whatever um, they're going to call this. But I, when I say that about Todd, I don't mean it's like, oh, he's so old. he got to stop doing things. It's more like, I can't imagine these games are a lot of fun to make it. The, you know, if you've done so, done so many and like you get re- the reception is just like people screaming at you about it. It's got to be a point where you're just like, man, I think I've done enough of this and I got enough money and I don't need to put myself through this anymore. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder where that point. I wonder where that point's coming for a lot of the great you know, all-time great people in the in the game development world. Like, a lot of the people that we grew up with or, like, you know, came up through the industry sort of knowing and, and working with and interviewing and liking the game. Like, a lot of... The, we're, we're all getting the retirement age at this yeah, point. So, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that starts to happen. I don't feel like it, though, man. Like, I really don't feel any different now than I did when I was, like, 22. No, like but you're still in your 40s. my energy level or anything like that. Like, I feel the same. Like, like my body's a little more dinged up. Like, I had to have knee surgery. Yeah, or I was going to say, but... talk to your knee about that one. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you know, you're still you're still pretty young. I mean, 40 is not, 40 yeah. is not super old. I still old. feel spry, people. I'm still ready to rock and roll. <laughs> um, and I guess a lot of times I do make the mistake of transferring my thoughts about myself onto other people. Yeah. And I, that is a mistake that I do make your, a lot. Your, your approach to E3 is just baffling to me like yeah. i don't know how anyone can be that excited about something they've done 20 times yeah like, i still love it i still yeah. get excited about it yeah. no matter how many times it lets you down <laughs> that's true yeah i keep coming back uh, so anyway that's the latest on starfield that's pretty much all the information and i i probably should have credited some of the people for these interviews but literally that information that we just shared was from like eight different interviews like everyone would get one little mm-hmm. new tidbit out of him and I just yeah. kind of went through them all and just crowd all. And that I was amused by together. how like every every like hour, a couple hours, or every the next day there'd always be a new thread or a new tweet. Someone's like Todd Howard says this about Starfield. It's like, it's like man, he really put himself through the gauntlet of the interview <laughs> process there. Well, like, he's been like not doing anything for years yeah. now, so he's due. The other person is Reggie. Right. Reggie trying to gin up sales for his book. He is. He <laughs> will. He would probably come on Game Face. I'm not exaggerating. I think I could probably reach out to him. And he would come on this right. show. He will do anything. He's to welcome to come over. We can do that. <laughs> is, is Reggie okay to come here? Reggie's okay to come here. <laughs> okay, yes. I'll put the offer out there. But Reggie will do anything, man, trying to sell another copy of his book. And he's been really <laughs> candid, too, man. Like, I don't think they made him sign an NDA. When no, he it doesn't there. sound like it. And I, I will admit, like, I, I want to read that book. I, I admit, like, doesn't give a fuck Reggie is, is yeah. a pretty great version of Reggie. I mean, the stuff he's been saying in interviews, I'm yeah. like, wow, okay. Like, You're not counting on going back there to work, I no, guess. No, no. <laughs> uh, but and we've been this, curating all those no, unsifted. I'm, I'm actually pretty interested in that book. It's, yeah. It sounds, like there's, it. some, sounds yeah. like there's some juice. Yeah, because we were there, too, for all of it. Yeah. So, you know, it, we were there. Not only were we there for all of it, I've been in the room and actually been in the other chair a couple times when when asking Reggie about some of that stuff, and his yeah. he gave the canned corporate response, uh, and now you're seeing the real answer. And you're like, I knew it. Yep, <laughs> yep. It's interesting to see. Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's the latest on Starfield. Next up, we're going to talk about something that Matt and I kind of predicted last week on Game Face, and we talked about the franchise a little bit. And uh, Capcom had an event this week where it announced Dragon's Dogma mm-hmm. 2. And that was it. <laughs> that like, was it. <laughs> we got a logo and take care. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, are you surprised, Matt, that our hopes and dreams came true? 
I mean, I mean, there's been too much rumblings of this, and like With he, all they the kept mentioning Netflix it. And... Well, they kept mentioning this for like the last year, and it's like, why do you keep bringing up this game that no one played? Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, we've had a game page for Dragon's Dogma Two on Sifted for yeah. years. Like the rumors have been flying oh, for a long, like, long. They did the time. online game that never came yeah. here, and like all the. Yeah, I mean, look, I love Dragon's Dogma. I mm-hmm. that was one of my favorite uh, games of the, that generation. I think I played it three times, and I don't wow. do that much. Um, although I never finished the Dark Arisen like labyrinth dungeon thing. That's all. That's a big. That's a big thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely play another one. I'm very excited about another one. Yep. I'm su- I'm surprised it's getting a sequel because it's been really a cult hit. It did not sell. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm shocked that they are doing like TV shows and stuff about it. Cause... Yeah, it's a it's a the fact <laughs> that they're doing like a Netflix show or whatever is weird. It's bizarre. I, it feels like a vestige of when like everybody wanted their Game of Thrones. Right. Like, ah, fuck it, this thing. Like, I Are don't you know. shocked that there still hasn't been a really good Game of Thrones game? No. How come? Like, because even game, one that just retells the because, show. Because Game of Thrones isn't a very interesting game premise. It's all it's all cerebral. It's all political. I guess. Like, you could maybe make a pretty good Crusader There's King's There's so many clones. wars, though. Yeah, but Like, iconic wars. It's just soldiers. That, like, like, I guess you could do, like, a Total War Game of Thrones thing. I don't know. Like, a lot of... And also, like... Now I'm not surprised because that last season tanked the entire existence of the, of the <laughs> franchise in the, in the zeitgeist to the point that no one will even touch it now. Well, notice it's now coming back. Well, they're trying. It, I mean, Jon Snow apparently has already signed up to do the... Yeah, yeah I mean, they're starting it again. It's going to be called something different, but right. it's just continuing from where it ended. So it's still... It's Game of Thrones again. I get. I mean, it's okay. If you, <laughs> if you think that's a good idea, you can try that. I mean, it's still going to do better than like any of their other original shows. It'll do better than Westwood. It'll do better than Euphoria. It'll do better than all those shows. I Even don't know if, if it'll do better than Westwood. Um, I don't know. The last season of Westwood wasn't great either. I I don't do not underestimate how much that last season made people hate Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like I've never seen anything like. I mean, that it before. didn't turn me completely off to it. Like oh, still, I th- I thought it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's, I'll still watch the first episode will, of the next one. I will never watch. Uh, I, I will try. I will try to watch the prequel, the 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 one that takes that tells the Targaryen the Mad fall, King. the Mad King yeah. thing, because I know people who have been working on some of that stuff, and they say it's good. Okay. Um, but I will never watch Game of Thrones again. Yeah. Like I and I won't say that I, I'm not someone who thinks like a bad ending ruins the whole thing very often. But I because of that that show is so character driven and so much about you know the the events that these characters choose to end up creating it i can't watch the early stuff even though it is good and be like but i know where this goes and it goes nowhere it's useless it's it's terrible it's i've never had that happen before yeah um it's like the anti-breaking bad one thing i should also bring up is the budget for anything game of thrones is way higher than a euphoria by the way like that too so yeah. you should expect higher I mean, by ratings, nature but... euphoria didn't have dragons so yes <laughs> well uh, it depends on how what drugs that people do in that show right. there may be dragons but uh, and we'll see, you know, we'll see how robust um, HBO continues to lean and Warner Brothers continues to lean into stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, depending on how the Lord of the Rings show does. Yeah, that's true. Um, they showed the orcs for the first time today. Oh, did they? Yeah, they, they look uh, good. They do. They they're they're mostly prosthetics. They're mostly like mm-hmm. you know practical effects. But it's interesting because they're not as messed up as the oh. Lord of the Rings because they're new. Uh, you know, because they're first coming out of the straight yeah. off the assembly line. So like the ones you see in Lord of the Rings are all cut up and <laughs> scarred, and their fighting. eyes are hanging. Yeah, because yeah, they've been fighting for thousands of years, and these are like kind of new. So they're all kind of 
There's, they're, right they're, off the assembly they're, line. They're cleaner. They're prettier orcs. <laughs> but there are they're still monster orcs. But they, like, yeah. you, they don't have all the scars and all the blood huh. everywhere. And so it's, it's an interesting take on it. But it's nice to see that they're practical for the most part. Yeah. Like they're doing CG to like kind of touch up like you know teeth or yeah. you know mouth movements or eye Eyes. things or whatever. Yeah. But like they're people, they're guys in prosthetics, so it looks hmm. it looks pretty good. Okay. Well, here's the information we have on drag, Dragon Dogs Dragon's Dogma Two. Pardon me. Uh, it uses the RE engine, like everything. Like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna build the world. Is on there the anything RE the RE engine can't do? <laughs> Automotalista. Let's do an Automotalista sequel in the RE engine. Just do it. Just I do mean, it to prove it. I mean, they're making a fighting game with it. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Um, but they have not really announced any platforms or a release date yet. Um, it sounds like it's just real like, early. Getting it started. Very early. Um, my guess is it will be next gen exclusive, PS5, Xbox Series only, yeah, I'm, I'm, and PC. I'm saying this is probably some kind of late 2024 thing at the earliest. Yep. Um, and I imagine it'll be you know PlayStation 5 and Xbox and maybe whatever new Switch thing if they have cloud support. But yep. Uh, and don't forget, this is an open world PC. action RPG. It was open world, the original game was. So, mm-hmm. and the developer said you can expect that as well. Um, Mostly open world. Like you, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times in the cities. And, yeah. Yep. Things like that. But yeah, you're open. You're running around a big open map to the point that it might as well be. Yep. Um, and then here's the official statement from the developers. The distinct approach to magic combat and the ability to grapple towering foes already set Dragon's Dogma apart from its contemporaries. However, it was the game's unique pawn system that helped cement its place as a fan favorite. Uh, this system was born from Itsuno's desire to keep the game a single-player experience while still allowing players to feel connected to one another by sharing the AI companions they create and train. Itsuno and the Dragon's Dogma 2 development team includes Dragon's Dogma veterans like Daigo Ikino and Kenichi Suzuki. So you have three of the big developers of the original Dragon's Dogma returning to work on Dragon's Dogma 2. That's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting that we really haven't seen anyone copy the pawn system. The Nemesis system... Kind of similar. Yeah, although the Nemesis system is apparently copyrighted or trademarked or something. So yeah. Patented, so you mm-hmm. can't you can't steal it. it. Yeah. The pawn system in this is, is cool. Like, it, it's it's because you make your own character to make some traits for them and send them in. And, like, when people use them in their party, you get uh, XP and, and bonuses and stuff. You yep. send them back with gifts and things. It's almost like Animal Crossing. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's been a lot. That was a lot of like that was exactly the amount of, of uh, online interactivity I needed for this game. Like, I don't want anyone else in my game, uh-huh. but I can. T- I'll take an avatar to come in and help me. Um, also, by the way, just to get it out there, this is all this footage is from Dragon's Dogma One. They have not released yeah. any footage yet from Dragon's Dogma Two. Yeah, there's your there's your it's behold, pretty obvious looking at it, but the holder wanna... with the serial number filed off, so <laughs> so Wizard of the Coast doesn't sue them. Yeah. Um, yeah, this game is really good. It's it's janky. But it's somehow that's part of its charm. Like it, it like kind of works. I can't, I can't explain it further than that. Like, there's parts of this game that are so wonky and weird that I feel like I should be mad at it, and I just can't be. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. Um. Because probably because it's just trying to do so many weird new things, and it's it feels it feels like its heart's in the right place, which is ironic for a game where one of the first things that happens is a dragon eats your heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's good. It, it's got scope to it. It's got scale. The the big monsters, the big fantasy monsters, feel like they're there. Like there's when you climb them. Yeah, we climb them. But <laughs> also, just when they land and they fight, like they the the, the dragons and the griffins and the, and the chimeras, like they feel like they're there. Like yeah. there's a there's a concreteness to them that yeah. that almost no other game I've played has. That they feel like they see the weight. Whoever animated these this game 
like was head and shoulders above almost everyone else technically because some of those monsters just are believable on a scale that that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. That is the next level of animation that we're kind of waiting to get to yeah. though. It is so much work, like having a large creature step and then mm-hmm. watching the muscles in the leg and the feet kind of collapse as they relax, like. And that this I mean, that, that is a lot of work. That's not that detail. That detail doesn't exist because it's you know it's an Xbox 360 game, mm-hmm. but like. That it has that level of their their weight shifts and their Sound whoever animated has it a made lot it work to do a lot. With stuff like that too. And the fact that like you know, one of the things that attracted me to the game originally when we were doing like they were pre doing previews of it and stuff was like the was all the previews would write up about how when it gets dark you can't fucking see anything mm-hmm. like you better have your lanterns out because you don't know what the hell's out there. Yeah. And it's true like when it's nighttime it's usually a better idea to not be anywhere at nighttime because yeah. it's. When night would fall and you'd be getting tired and the way the fatigue system works versus how much you can heal versus like how much fatigue you have left, which you lose for for over time, but also for reasons because you screwed up. Like, yeah. like there is this, all the systems are very compelling, even if they don't always quite gel properly. Yeah. Like it's so good. And like the as you level up, you get like these different you can do subclasses and, and hybrid classes and like. I don't know if there's more satisfying magic in video games when you're just like calling down meteor showers and yeah. I mean they mentioned it specifically in their statement. Yeah. It is the best arcane archer class in video game history. Period. Yeah. Like if you want to be like a magic archer, like this game will make you feel like a god. Mm-hmm. Like it is. It is a you. But by the time you get powerful enough, you are you feel like you are you could take on anything in the world. And then they're gonna throw something at you that you absolutely cannot take on. Yeah. Um. They're very good at scaling. And then you have the new game plus. You have the the dark arisen content that sends you down into the, into the giant pit, yeah. which is just like and you come up with better rewards. And you can even you can go there anytime you really want during the main game once you talk to this one character. And, like, you can kind of go in and delve in a little bit as far as you can get and pull some cool stuff out that maybe you're not supposed to have yet because you're maybe not supposed to do that till later. But I just managed to pull it out, and now I got it in the main game, and it's kind of fun. Like, there's so much good stuff in here and so many weird things to find and all these weird side quests that are only there for, like, three minutes, and you have to, like, find them. And, like, oh, now you gotta now you got to escort this NPC across the entire map. Good luck. And it's, like... You get to know the map that way. It feel it feels like an adventure. It feels like you're going out and you're like, oh, I hope we make it kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, there's a lot of cool stuff in this game. If you haven't played it, like pick it up for like five bucks, five to ten bucks yeah. in a sale and play. The minutia you were talking about. It's like a hundred hours of content for huge. like five dollars. Yeah. It's really, really a value at this point. And the minutia that you're talking about, you're right. Very important to mm-hmm. the game. And that's another reason why I'm very happy that three core developers are coming back. Yeah. Because those are the people who will remember that stuff and make sure it makes it into the sequel. Yeah, I will say this. If you do play it and you haven't played it before, look up a quest a site, a site, quest guide. Not to know how to complete the quest, but to know how how to not miss them. Mm-hmm. Because... Some of these quests will. Some of these quests pop up, and they're only there to pick up between like this step and this step of the main quest. And some of these have really interesting NPC NPC things that then start like a longer side quest chain that happen later in the game. If you don't get that first one in that like five minute window, and it can be stuff like you've gotten to this town, and in between the completing the objective of getting to the town and your next objective is like sleep at the inn. If you don't stop and pick up side quests from a certain NPC between getting to the town and going to the inn, you've missed that side quest. Yeah. And so I would definitely recommend looking up like a side quest guide so you know when they activate and when you can see them all so you don't miss anything. Yep. Um, chat mentions that this was also a part of that massive NVIDIA leak, the leak that just right. keeps on giving. Yeah. Although this game, I think I saw someone in chat say that this game was supposed to come out this year. It was originally scheduled for this year before COVID or something mm. like that. Um, 
So yeah, in Street Fighter Six, apparently we had a 2022 release date in the leak. Uh, I heard about that. Yeah. And both of them now have been pushed, and we don't even know when Dragon's Dogma is coming out. To your point about darkness in games, I have just start. I just picked up and started playing again, Dying Light Two, mm. and that game. Yeah, the dying on, lights do on an OLED. Long. When the yeah. lights go out, it is black. Thank God you have that flashlight. Um, I may talk about that um, on whatever I do to replace Game Face for next week because I've been spending a lot more time with that. What else are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. I've been. I have not this year. I have gone back and played more games than I have in probably fifteen years because this summer has been so barren. Um, and it's been great in some ways. I've been able to go back and like finish games, which is awesome. So. Um, yeah, I also finished, uh, I was all pretty much near the end, but I also finished Gardens, Guardians of the Galaxy a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. I finished yeah, I, Horizon Forbidden West. I've been finishing games. It's amazing. I, I have to do it again. Yeah, the only thing really of interest in the next week are like collections of things. No, well, really Fire Emblem comes out. Fire Emblem, yeah. I feel like I've kind of played some of that already. Yeah, like, I mean, we already gave a pretty good discussion. That, yeah, but other than that, it's Sonic and um, Sonic Origins the Capcom Fighting collection. collection. Yep, yeah. Which I'm interested in, but it's like there's not a whole lot to... You and I have both played about, yeah. those, yeah. And most people watching the show have played those already as well. So anyway, there you go. That's Dragon's Dogma. Dragon, why can't I not say this? Dragon's Dogma 2. Um, again, we have no platforms, although I think it's safe to say PS5 and Xbox Series and PC, uh, and no release date as well. Um, I hope we're wrong. If it was supposed to come out in 2022, maybe it is farther along than we expected. Yeah. I don't know. But well, weird they didn't show anything. Exactly. But... Not even like a CG trailer or anything. No. That's a bad sign as far as when it's coming out. So there you go. Let's move along. We're going to talk next about the a new controller for the PlayStation 5. Matt and I have both... In fact, there's a box for the Elite controller sitting right there. Mm-hmm. Matt and I have both had Elite controllers for Xbox for a really long time. PlayStation, for whatever reason, has allowed third parties to create their high-end controllers... Scuff Gaming made a high-end DualShock controller for the PlayStation 4. According to rumors that are floating around the internet right now, PlayStation is finally making its own version of the Elite controller for the PlayStation 5. This information comes from Tom Henderson, who is probably second most reliable games leaker in the industry. Mm -hmm. I can't remember a single thing that he's reported that has turned out to not be true. Um, So very reliable information. PlayStation 5 Elite controller is on the way. Matt, will you buy a PlayStation 5 Elite controller? I don't know. What is it? <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'll give you all the information that we have on it so far. Again, this is from Tom Henderson. I want to give him credit for it. Um, he says it will feature removable analog sticks and removable grips. It will have trigger stops and back paddles. Um, buttons under the analog sticks are said to allow users to remove the analog unit completely, presumably enabling them to replace it with a new one rather than having to buy another complete controller should you have an issue with analog stick drift. Now that That's a really good. good idea. Yeah. One of the biggest changes is buttons under the analog sticks, which allow you to completely remove the analog sticks, as I said, um, and their components, which Sony refers to as, quote, unquote, removable stick units. Yep, so you just be able to replace that stick unit instead of replacing the whole controller. Um, Tom Henderson also said other hardware announcements are coming, although not a new console. And those announcements are coming very soon. Um, so basically, it really is just PlayStation 5 Elite. It has all the same features. Mm-hmm. There was also, and I didn't include this when I just mentioned this, there also are in the rumors, rumors of um, software that comes with it, like the Elite, where you have that little app that you can go and you can program what you want each button to do and things like that. 
and you can program the analog stick sensitivity and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it looks like it's just going to be a PlayStation version of what we got with the Elite controller for Xbox. How do you feel about it? I mean, if it, uh, I mean, I haven't had any analog stick problems on my PS5 controller. Not me either. Um, on your DualSense? No, but it, that is a good move, I would say. Um, I don't use back paddles for things. I don't either. I took them so, off of my Elite. Same. So uh, it's not a big thing, but like, we'll see. Like, In if, fact, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I would prefer if they don't have the paddles at all. Because removing one thing they should have done with the Elite controller for Xbox is if you remove the paddles, they should have given you a piece of rubber or plastic that you could then put into the holes that are left there from the paddles. Because what I found is I took the paddles out, and now if I really grip the controller, like the there's like these rough edges down there that hurt my fingers if I, mm. if I play like Rocket League for a long time or something like that. So um, there's things that they I believe they can still improve on the Xbox Elite mm-hmm. controller that I'm hoping maybe they'll do that with the new DualSense that they create. Well, we'll see. Like I, This would probably be something if, I, if something happened to my existing controller i would probably buy this one to replace it i don't think i'll run out and buy it for no reason well to be fair i did not buy my own elite controller it was a it was a christmas gift Mm. that people had chipped in on the site to buy me i mean i bought my own elite controller because i wanted a better controller than what xbox had at the Mm -hmm. time Uh, i don't feel like i need a better controller than the ps5 has right now but Mm -hmm. if something happened to my ps5 controller i think i would probably replace it with this one yeah judging depending on price and color i guess but I've already had to repair one of my Elite controllers, so... Yeah, you did, um, that's right. The, 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 it had that thing where the, 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 the bumper, the shoulder bumpers, uh, they're basically connected under the top part of, with the X logo. They're connected under there. They're one piece, uh, and, like, they, uh, they can snap. And because um, the, the plastic in there is very thin and one mine was like just wasn't clicking right. It like wasn't bouncing back. You know, yeah, you can tell when a button's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I got a replacement kit and I opened the thing up and sure enough, it had snapped right huh. right off. It was, it was it was floating free. That's why it wasn't bouncing back right. And you just, you know, it's a $10 replacement kit with a screwdriver. And you just stick it back on. It's perfect now. But like, it's weird that I had to do that for a hundred plus dollar controller, yeah, right? It is. Yeah. So. <coughs> Well, they're using the same... The analog sticks are using the same parts as the generic Mm -hmm. controllers. Like, we should eventually have analog stick drift on our Elite controllers. I have not had that problem yet, though. No, I haven't had any of that. I I have a... This is weird, but, like, there must be some kind of drift, but it depends. So I have two two Elite controllers, and I use one for the Xbox in the living room, and Mm -hmm. I use one on my PC. Mm -hmm. One of them... If you play, um, and it's only this that I found. I don't know if there might be another game to test it with, but I haven't found it. Uh, Kingdoms of Amalur. If you uh, hold or tap the, you know, click the the run button to make the character run, you basically hold hold the car- the analog stick and, and steer them mm-hmm. as they run. On one of my elite controllers, that works fine. On the other elite controller, if you push it, if you're holding up and you push it a little bit to the left, it, the character stops running. Oh geez! Like it, like it, something about it just makes it real. Think that you're pushing it in a different direction, further to the left than it, than you really are. Huh. And I've tried that on the PC and on the Xbox, and it does the same thing on on Kingdoms of Amalur on both. That oh, interesting! And the PC. It's in the so game coding. So it's the controller. Oh, it- it's the controller. It's that controller because if I uh, use the other Elite, okay. it doesn't do that. I get it. I get it. Okay. Wow. So that's the only flaw or like weird quirk I've found between the two that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the one that doesn't do that is the one that had the broken analog 
uh, broken uh, shoulder bumper. My Elite has held up very well. I have no stick drift. I've had no issues with it whatsoever. The only mm-hmm. thing I would say is that the analog sticks, because you have different, they give you, I think, two different lengths of sticks, or is there three? Uh, I don't remember. I'd have to look in the box. Well, they make it so it's easier to put the different length of analog sticks on a controller, but they also fly off and fall off. Mm-hmm. So, like, my wife, I had the controller sitting on her couch. She grabbed the controller and went to watch TV and kind of flung it across the couch, and it landed on a pile of blankets. And when that happened, the analog stick flew off of the controller and landed behind the couch. And I could not yeah. find <laughs> the analog stick for, like, two weeks. There are three analog sticks. Three yeah. three, three sets. Yeah. Um, so maybe they could secure those a little better. But otherwise, the Elite's pretty awesome. I think the force feedback in is kind of crap for how much you're paying for it. Like, I feel like it should be better than the base Xbox controller, but it feels like it's the same. Um, oh, it's just, it's just a cheap buzz. Yeah. So it just doesn't feel buried. It's just like... And oh boy, does that drain the battery fast. It does, yeah. But although I will say this too, though. Those batteries last a long time. The battery lasts pretty good. I use rechargeables on those, and they it lasts yeah. a while. Yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised with that part of it. So, But I'm, I'll tell you what ran that battery down the fastest, if anything, I've played in recent memory is Forza Horizon 5. Oh, yeah. Because you're constantly, the constantly constant vibration rumbling, from yeah. the... Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm at the point right now with the PlayStation 5 where I have two of the white DualSense controllers. One of them I've used, it's a lot. The other one was also bought for me by someone on the site. And I haven't used that as much. Like, Michelle's use it sometimes to play games with me. Um, but for the most part, I just want it to match. So I have the black plates on my PS5 now and the white controllers. So I'm on the verge of buying one of the black DualSense controllers. But now I'm like, oh, should I wait? Because maybe this Elite mm-hmm. is going to be in black and it'll match my black plates. Chances are it's probably going to be white, my guess is. I, mean, I feel like it's probably, it'll probably give you a couple colors. Maybe. We'll see. Um, so I'm kind of caught in the middle there, but... I'm going to buy it. When this Elite controller comes out, I will buy it. So, Or I'll ask for it for Christmas or whatever. Um, I'll want one. Um, provided, you know, they come out and the reviews are like, oh, it's solid and it's made mm. well and all that kind of stuff. And there's not red flags for it. Then I'll probably get one. Um, I do think that now that I've had the Elite controller for a while, I think it's worth it. Like I, And again, I didn't pay for it. People on the site graciously got it for me. Um, but if I had paid for it myself, I would not have felt ripped off. It does feel like a better built controller, and it does have functionality and features that the base controller does not yeah, have. It definitely. I mean, like when the when the bumper was broken, I did have to go back to my standard Series X controller, and that's not a bad controller. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, I actually like the way it feels, like with the, with the texture on it. Like it's got that X. You know, it's got the the button thing texture uh, on it a little bit. I like that a little bit. But I did not mind at all going back to the Elite yeah. in the end. Yep. I think they're worth the money. I think the way they're built. And well, I think the, the Xbox ones are. We'll wait. And we'll see what the yeah, jury's PlayStation out for PlayStation. Yeah. For but sure. like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a more deluxe controller usually. Yeah. Because let's be honest, the PlayStation Three controller was crap. Yeah. yeah now DualShock Four, amazing. One of my favorite was, controllers four of was all a time. Big, was a step forward for and sure. It built was built like a tank. But man, that six axis felt like you could twist it in half. It did, man. It was the PlayStation Three controller was bad. It really oh, was. That was the first time I ever experienced analog stick drift. I remember I was playing some Jack and Daxter game and I sat the controller on my coffee table I went into the kitchen I got a drink and when I came out my character was running across the screen <laughs> I was like what is going on he's moving I looked down and my controller was just sitting there and I'm like and that the, was my first time the, the most the worst controller I've ever had is the Dual, Dual, uh, DualShock 4 really the DualShock 4 I went through four of them because really? the, the analog sticks went to drift constantly wow constantly well, I... Mine lasted. That, I, I have never replaced a controller more often than the, than the DualShock. Wow, 4. 
That, I had the exact opposite experience. Went through four of them. And every time it was on some, one of those fucking menus where like that everybody started using where it was like you had to pick something with a with a, a you know a, a pointer, yeah. like destiny and things like that. And like suddenly the pointer would just be like wandering off. Yeah. Like when I was not doing anything. And I like I remember the first time I had to do it was playing Destiny One and I was tr- I kept I had to I was trying to pick stuff in my inventory and like the the cursor kept going away. I'm like, come back, come back. And it wouldn't. All I could do at some point was Fight it. make it stop. It's I couldn't make it place. go any further left. It was just trying to go. That's I'm like, funny. I can stop it. But That's so I, bad. So I had to unpause and like come back. And like that was also like why I was like having trouble like running in the yeah. game because he would stop. And He's like, always fighting against you every yeah. time, and yeah. so I had to go replace. Um, wow! Replace. I, but I, had I, I ended up with, opposite. I ended experience. up with stick drift for on on three DualShock wow. fours. That's shock, shocking to me. The last one, mine were great. The last man. one I have had for I had for years and years, never had a problem. But those, those so first, maybe they figured something out. Eventually. Maybe those, I've replaced that that thing. I think. At least three times wow. in the first Crazy. four years Crazy. of the PlayStation Four. Okay, so anyway, we don't know the release date for this or when it's coming out. My Actually, guess... no, you're right. The one that I've had for the whole time that never had any problems is the one that came with the Pro. Mm. That's what it, that's, yeah. that's they must so have done something. They, they must have out. fixed something there. Yep. Uh, my guess is this comes out over the holidays. Yeah, probably. That'll give enough time for them to to announce it. Hopefully, they'll it. have some PS5s for people to buy with them. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah that'd be nice. That would be nice. Um, and then they'll start bundling that controller in with the console at GameStop. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's coming. Um, but anyway, again, this rumor comes from Tom Henderson, so we want to make sure we give him credit for the rumors. He's like never been wrong, so I would uh, I would say this is probably a pretty safe bet that it's happening. But that's all the information we have as of right now. Okay, it's time to move on to the last topic of today's show. And I hinted at this earlier when I said there was another big anniversary this week that was not quite as bountiful with the announcements or really anything that most people would care about. And that was... I didn't even know this happened it, well, until yeah, after course. it happened. Yeah, of course you wouldn't because nothing of relevance came out of it. It was the 15th anniversary of the original Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that make you feel, knowing it's been 15 years since the first AC was released? Yeah, there's very few things that make me feel old anymore. Yeah, you were over there. the hump. Yeah. <laughs> this one... First of all, Assassin's Creed, the original game, has this weird cachet of sentimental value for me. It was because its promotional cycle started when I had left G4 and just started at Game Trailers. It was like that whole window where I was like transitioning from this one job I had for a long time into this new one, this new thing. I didn't know what, if I was making the right decision or if I was being dumb or whatever. I was like petrified. And then Assassin's Creed came along. And for whatever reason... I'll just be honest with you. Assassin's Creed helped build game trailers because this, the original trailer for the first Assassin's Creed was bigger than like anything. I can't even really put it into words how that game resonated with people. People just lost their minds over it. I still can't quite quantify why or how it happened. Just for whatever reason, this game just struck a chord with people. And we would get a trailer for it and they would just do like three or four million views in like 18 hours. Like it was just, we had never seen media do those kind of numbers yet at game trailers Mm -hmm. until the Assassin's Creed trailers hit. And then they were doing so well on game trailers that Ubisoft summoned us to its headquarters (laughs) in San Francisco. Come. They literally, (laughs) seriously, they contacted me and were like, hey, we want to talk to you guys about Assassin's Creed because we're seeing what's happening on your website with this game. Is this when they tried to make you pay for it? Yes. Them? Yep. <laughs> and so it was me. The 
balls. It was me and John Slusser and Brad Winters. We were basically the three executives that ran game trailers. And we went up there and we thought they wanted to form this deeper relationship with us. And we thought maybe they it wanted... Seems reasonable, to, yeah. And we thought maybe they wanted to like start giving us stuff exclusively. Yeah, like you're doing a good job by getting this out there and being a go-to place to see Assassin's Creed stuff. Let's do some special stuff. Yes. And we thought... Because we were already starting... That seems to get, like a very rational right. assumption. And yeah. we thought we're like... We were already starting to get like a lot of exclusives. Just because people are like, holy crap, our trailers are doing gangbusters. Yeah. Like, let's enrich that relationship. Yeah, so back at G4 where people were all like, what the fuck is going on over there? Like, yeah. no, like, and I was like, the fucking video looks good. That's yeah. the difference. We had like, 720p video. Yeah. We had HD video before anyone. It was the best way to watch trailers on the internet. Yep. Like, that was it. That was so the- we, we went up there. We thought they were going to enrich our relationship. And they were going to not just do exclusive stuff with Assassin's Creed. We are like, oh, they want to roll out the red carpet and give us, like, all their stuff exclusively going forward. And we get there, and all they wanted to talk about was Assassin's Creed, and they wanted us to pay to get the trailers. Because <laughs> they were like, you guys are running ads in front of these trailers. And I was like, yeah, we run ads in front of everything. And they're like, well, you're making money off our trailers. We're like, dude, that's how this works. Uh-huh. We make money off of your games. And Why then, else would you run the trailer? Yes. And then you make money because you sell the games because it impresses people with our massive audience. Tony Key, he probably still is the head of marketing at Ubisoft. He proposed that we pay for their trailers. And we're like, so are you going to charge IGN and GameSpot? Oh, no, they're not doing the numbers that you guys are doing. We're like, what are you even talking about? You're trying to bite the hand <laughs> like that's feeding you. Like you're supposed to hide that, yes, dude. You're supposed yeah. to not... Tell us that you're ripping us off. That's how like, this started. That's how the meeting started. That's amazing. And we all, on our own dime, all flew up there. We show up in our suits. We're all suited up. We're like, man, this is like what's going to break us. Like, this is what's going to get us over. And we get there, and they're trying to charge us to run their freaking trailers. <laughs> like, yeah, that's not going to work. But if you want us to keep running them, just keep sending them. And they're like, okay, I guess that's what we're going to do. Amazing. Bizarre. So anyway. I guess shoot your shot. <laughs> like, what do you, Wow. So anyway, this franchise has a special place in my heart. And so to realize it was that all happened 15 years ago, that is kind of putting a flag in the sand for me and saying, dang, Shane, like, <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing this for a while, bro. Um, so anyway, it is the 15th anniversary. And unlike Final Fantasy 25th, where they really blew it out and gave us stuff that everyone cares about, they gave us practically nothing. Mm-hmm. They gave us a sad, pathetic six-minute video, which is what we're watching now that you've already watched a couple times, which just hardly even showed a lot of the games. Most of it was just like, pe- and here's the funny part, Matt. That video, the girl who hosted it was probably 22 years old. Mm-hmm. She was like seven when the game came out. <laughs> just like, really? This is the person that you have rep- repping the Assassin's Creed franchise? Where are the people who worked on it? Like, I want to hear from those people. They've They're, all moved on. They probably, you're right. They probably all left the company. Almost none now. of the people I knew who worked on the original Assassin's Creed still Creed games still work at Ubisoft. Yeah. Yeah. So they... And none of them have any interest in helping Ubisoft yeah. any further. So they very timidly did a little thing for the to celebrate the franchise. And then they started making their announcement, which, which ended up just being like, whatever. There's a... New free roguelite mode for Valhalla that's coming this summer. And it's, it is free. A lot of the DLC for Valhalla has been paid because they haven't released a, a new game in years. They've been milking Valhalla yeah, now for... I think the only thing I remember has been, was paid was the Ragnarok thing. I thought there were two. 
two paid was content two? For I it. can't remember if there, I think that maybe I, I think it might have been a season pass stuff and then there was a second charge for the the Donna Ragnarok thing maybe it was Donna Ragnarok was like 40 bucks yeah Donna I mean Donna, there's a lot of stuff in that yeah. to be fair but yeah it's it's been going on a while <laughs> it and sure like, has <laughs> like, so they, I think if you played that game from start to finish, just like without, I think that's like a 200 hour game. Even just like if you just go through the content that exists now, that thing is a monster. Yeah, and it's like it's the least interesting of the three. Like it's 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 like I like it, but I would so be. I I went back to I reinstalled Odyssey on the Xbox to play the free update that like gives you the mission that connects Cassandra to the to the the Ragnarok yep. stuff that explains why she ended up going to North America. Yeah. And like, that was a lot of fun. I was like, Oh, it's cool to have him, her back and, and, uh, and all her, uh, and Barnabas and all those guys, it was all the characters were back. And like, you get, it was, it was, you know, I always liked uh, Cassandra's attitude and sort of how just like, she was like, so yeah. over shit. Uh-huh. Um, especially cause the beginning, she's on like a vacation and she, like, she spends the first part of the, 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 the story, like hiding from her friends that want have seen her in like six months. And they're like, come be on an adventure. She's like, I don't want to be on an adventure. <laughs> um, and like, that was a lot of fun. And then like, you go back to Ragnarok and it's like, all right, trees like... <laughs> yeah um they are releasing some other stuff too um there are going to be more festivals uh, mm. new mastery challenges extra tombs and additional gear that are coming as part of the year two content and then the forgotten saga is the new mode again it's described as a roguelike journey through Niflheim. Um all of it will be free which is cool and at the end of the year we'll have one last surprise which is a free chapter to end Ivor's story. Mm. So they are giving away... Well, we still don't know how she ended up uh, dying where she dies. Yeah. Because where where you are is not where... Because her body's in North America. Yeah. In the beginning of the game. Right. So you're like, wow, did Ivor right. end up in North America? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, and they also released the Discovery Tour for the Viking Age, which mm. if you remember, they're like those educational modes yeah. that they add in there. But you're only... A, I mean, they're a cool idea... I've seen some like historians respond to them. Things yeah. like not a lot of yeah, the execution's a little flawed. Yeah, yeah. And then they released a patch, and this is weird for Assassin's Creed Origins on the same day. Right, they, right. It lets you play it at sixty frames per second on PS5 and Xbox Series consoles. That's good. Yeah, which is still weird. I mean, <laughs> if they figured it out, they figured it. Out. Might as well. Like, I, yeah. appreci- I appreciate that. I don't think I'll ever play that game. I played that game twice, hundred percent completion. I don't think I'll probably do that again. But I. Started it, played a good bit of it, got frustrated with the bugs and the issues, went back and finished it like a year later, I think, when they mm-hmm. finally ironed out a lot of the problems. Um, it was actually a good Assassin's Creed. It is. My, once it the is. bugs are sorted out. I think uh, it might, I mean, I think Odyssey is the best of the three, but Origins might be my favorite. Yeah. They're two different things sometimes. Well, I would I would agree with you that, Val, that Valhalla is my least favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, yeah, I think you're, I think Origins would be my second favorite. Yeah, we go Odyssey, mm-hmm. Origins, Valhalla. I think Odyssey is a better game. I think it, I think it all comes together better. Yeah. But like it's some, the Egypt theme and Bayek, I like Bayek a lot as a character. Mm-hmm. I like Cassandra a lot too. I just I re- I really liked. Uh, I, have, I have some affection for that. Just in the way that I, I really liked how they reinvented the the series with that. And so like there's I have some and like maybe I'll play it with sixty frames a second. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Um. But I, like, I really liked Origins. I really liked Odyssey. And then I I like Valhalla. Yeah, like that's that. You know, I don't think Valhalla is bad. I just not it me either. It just it, seems very it, derivative. It, just, it is, and it's also like I mean, I don't know. I 
I didn't want to spend this much time in the Viking no. era. No, like, I, 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 like the, I, I understand. 30, 40 hours, I'm good. I understand they're they're stalling for time for whatever their next thing is here. But like, yeah. if they were gonna pick one of these to just endlessly support, I wish it had been Odyssey. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then it's in September, Ubisoft is having a quote unquote very special presentation to learn more about the future of Assassin's Creed, which is so basically in September we're gonna see the next Assassin's Creed finally. Yeah. What are the odds they rebrand Skull and Bones as Assassin's Creed? <laughs> well, Skull and Bones just got its second yeah, rating. Second rating. So that it's, probably means it's on the horizon. It, probably this holiday, Maybe. I guess. Yeah. And it sounds like they've completely reworked that into something yeah, different. I'm as just well. I'm just saying, like, what if they announce what if they I mean is, the timing is such that if they, whatever their announcement here is like might just be that Skull and Bones is an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> it's possible. That would be really disappointing, but I think that would be amazing. You that think be, so? I, I would absolutely rather just have it be a fucking pirate Assassin's Creed game absolutely huh those are some i think black flag is my might be my really favorite good. overall it is really good. um and like so i just wanted more of that i didn't need like a weird multiplayer yeah, game as Skull a service Bones doesn't have the other stuff it just has good <laughs> yeah. the worst part of black flag is when they make you get off the boat <laughs> let me stay on the fucking boat yeah rogue I, learned that rogue barely ever makes you get off the boat you just you just Sailing around, blowing stuff up, and killing whales. Like, that's I mean, I, sad. But Ubisoft, okay. Ubisoft did, am I crazy? Is Ubisoft a mess right now, Matt? It kind of feels like it. It feels like, like it. a disaster. It kind of feels like it. Yeah. What is going on there? I don't know. Like, I don't, like, it, it, they used to be, like, such clockwork. You know, people complain about how regularly they released everything Not anymore. All the time. And now it's like, what's going on? I haven't played <laughs> Where are the games? The last Ubisoft game I played was, like, Far Cry 6. Yeah. And, and that I wasn't very good either. I know, and I hardly played that at all compared to how much I usually play Far Cry. Yeah, I usually I, finish Far Cry games, yeah, no I got problem. A, I got a friend who just started Far Cry 6 like this last week. He's like, I'm going to settle down and play Far Cry 6. And he's like, this sucks. Yeah, so it's not he's very like, interesting. He sent me like photos of the screen, and it's just like blue polygons everywhere. So he's like, it yeah. doesn't work. None of, like, the, and he, like, he reminded me of, like, God, the races in that are terrible. Yeah. They're just so, like, the, you don't know where the next checkpoint is ever. Yeah. Like, it, it's... Oh, I love Far Cry, but that one really let me down. Yeah. So did five. Maybe I don't love Far Cry anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Vincent, maybe I don't either. Vincent just mentioned in chat that uh, the September event will be a reveal of the Rift expand oh. alone. That's disappointing. <laughs> Which was like originally rumored to be like basically the platform. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It just feels like Ubisoft. It's it's a bad time for Ubisoft to be doing badly if it's trying to sell itself and become attractive to potential suitors. Like this is the worst possible time it could be in this horrible software drought. I just don't know what's going on there. It's it really does seem like a lot of these scandals that happen with developers and publishers, it feels like they skate by unscathed. But it does not feel like Ubisoft managed to do that. It feels like it it drained a lot of talent from mm-hmm. the organization. Um, a lot of people, it feels like, who had worked there for a long time left. Uh, I mean, when you're trotting out a 22-year-old to celebrate the 15th anniversary of Assassin's Creed, something's wrong there. You could, wrong. Have, you could have at least done like a remake of the first game. Right. Because like, I love the first game. It, it needs to be I mean, like, But like, it, yeah, it's creaky now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at least let me skip the cutscenes. Yeah. But I mean, look, we just came through what basically would have been E3 with Summer Game Fest, and we heard nary a whimper. From Ubisoft. It released a roller derby game that had been in development for like nine years. I don't know what's going on there, but... At this rate, maybe we'll get that laser tag game soon. <laughs> You're right. I do think that actually released, though. I remember someone telling yeah, me that Yeah, there was like some weird out. limited release yeah, of that. Yeah, I think yeah. it did come out. Um, 
But anyway, that's what's going on with Ubisoft right now in Assassin's Creed. Yeah. A whole lot of nothing. Them still mi- milking Valhalla for all it is worth. Maybe uh, um, Mario Rabbids comes yeah, out this year. Yeah, but I mean... It, have we heard anything about that recently? No, we haven't actually. That Nintendo thing didn't happen. No, it hasn't happened. I think by the, now they're saying by the end of the month Nintendo's mm-hmm. supposed to do something. I don't know. Um, but it could appear And there's like there. supposed to be some like Sega announcement tomorrow? Maybe... But then it's like, do you even credit Ubisoft with that game? Like, kind of. Like, I don't know. It's it's crazy. Think about it. Here we are 15 years later, and it kind of feels like Assassin's Creed has run its course and hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, on this anniversary, that's what's striking me more than anything. Yeah, like the, and the further, like kind of the relaunch, supposed of like the, as a platform and things like. Like, that's not exciting to me as an Assassin's Creed. Like, the exciting thing about Assassin's Creed to me is that every game goes somewhere different. Yeah. Like, a yeah. Diff- what historical period yeah. do we get to poke around and play around in this time? And actually feel like you're there. And, like, I'm yeah. sure they'll do different things in that, but, like, it doesn't... F- I don't know. Like, this platform where we launch... How does that, that work? doesn't This doesn't interest you're me. You're, like, in this weird, like, animus hub, and you walk yeah. through the door, and all of a sudden you're in ancient Italy? Like, I... And, like, the Rift thing, you standalone or not, makes me feel like... It doesn't feel like you're going to be focusing on anything. It feels like you're going to be jumping through different rifts, going to different time periods, and it feels like it feels like it might be a way to recycle stuff you've already done. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just this, uh, you know. Yep. We should find out <laughs> soon enough in September. We'll at least have a hint of what's going on. But man, yeah. just that that publisher and that franchise both. It's this anniversary is an inflection point for both of them, and neither look all that good. No, and they don't have you know. Watch Dogs is dead, and um, yeah. They, they effectively Beyond Good and Dogs. Evil 2, God knows. God knows. Um, That'll, probably what's going to happen is Ubisoft will be purchased and that project will be killed. Maybe. Or that project will be fast-tracked because Starfield makes like a, having a, an open-world space possible. game the new hotness. Yeah. So we'll see. But anyway, that's It would be a shame if that never sees the light of day in some way because what an interesting... I know project I know. What an interesting idea in there and they've shown so much dev footage and stuff from that game too like like they couldn't even get the forgotten sands game i know sands That's of time remake again. done yeah like, that what? remake's been delayed again there's just upheaval going on at ubisoft right now it there's no way denying it like there's problems mm-hmm. there right now so hope they get it sorted because assassin's creed once upon a time was one of my favorite franchises in the industry and obviously out of the story i told about the first one it is near and dear to my heart. It has a lot of significance for me, um, and I would like to see them pull it up out of the muck and return it to its former former glory. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, anything to add on Assassin's Creed before we move on? No. Yeah. Let's look at chat, what they're saying about it. I do wonder, because a lot of look, a lot of the people who support us are old game trailers heads. People who were part of that, who got swept up in Assassin's Creed and because it was huge on our site and stuff like that. Um, Drifter J, the first game had a feeling that just never came back. The new games feel fleshed out but bloated. I would agree that they haven't replicated the spirit of the first. Yeah, the first one really did lean into the whole plan the assassination thing like you had the each act was its own assassination and you could do as much as or as little as you wanted in terms of eavesdropping on people or finding document like you would learn each thing would you would learn more about the actual assassination job so like you'd know that like if, you know the there was going to be scaffolding you could climb up behind the venue instead of trying to go in the front door like, it, it gave you information that you could use to approach the the assassination in different ways um and that never really happened again 
Yeah. Like uh, there, there's an element of it being entirely about being the assassin that is in the first Assassin's Creed that for all its shortcomings in terms of presentation now, uh, never quite got equaled again. Yeah. I would love to see that go back to that element. I, I also love that it was a little more stylized in some places, despite how realistic the graphics were like each city, you know, the three main cities had different color filters. Like Accra was very blue, mm-hmm. and Jerusalem had more of a yellow. To yeah, it. you're right. Like it, like every every place felt like a different place, and partly because they were willing to stylize it to get that across. There was it a seemed tone like to they it. had a master plan back mm-hmm. then. It feels like now that's gone. Yeah, and like and I think two, you know, two was great. Two was clearly like they were able to implement a bunch of stuff they didn't manage to implement in the first one. Brotherhood is still probably the pinnacle of the series in terms of making you feel like you run in a a bureau of assassins. Like the fact you can call those guys in, you can send them on missions. Like it feels like a bigger, a bigger game and a bigger deal than the others did. Mm -hmm. And I think they've hit, they've hit high points since then. I mean, black flag is, is great. I really like syndicate. Uh, I like the new ancient trilogy as they call them, especially Odyssey and origins. Um, I like rogue a lot. Uh, you know, they've certainly had good moments. Um, but like, I don't know. The last they, they it wasn't. It's not since two and Brotherhood that I re, it really felt like they were on track for something. And then Revelation was just like what? And then mm-hmm. three was bad. And then they, they just never quite recovered from that. They never recovered from fast tracking the series into a yearly schedule made by different teams that weren't talking to each other. Yeah, you couldn't. You couldn't. That's why I always say like that's why they lost their congruence. Yeah, the improvements in each game you couldn't count on being in the game in the next after one. that because yeah, they, they were all away. yeah they were all started really too early bizarre. and. They, and then, like, you had, like, things like Revelation where, like, it was a different team that decided Desmond should look like a very different person. So all the character designs were completely different. There was no cohesion in that. Yeah. And I will say, Revelation's version of Desmond is probably what he should look like. He looked a lot more uh, Middle Eastern. He looked yeah. a lot more like someone who was descended from Altair. Um, but, like, it was, it was still kind of a bad and unsatisfactory wrap-up for Ezio. And then to really find out how Ezio wrapped up, you had to watch that cartoon... And like it just got too, yeah, it got absurd. It got sprawling and, and yep. yeah, too hard to follow. Uh, we did get some comments about it. Jamry ninety nine says, if the games were about thirty to forty hours, I would love them, even though they lost the spirit of the original. He's right; they're too bloated. They're too big. Mm. Like, I mean, you, for a long you, time they were, but like, like you, start you can't in, finish Valhalla that fast. I don't think. Yeah, it's like you start it now and you, you know you just know it. you're probably never going to finish the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? That's not any way to be. Um, Erebus Jones says, I just think Ubisoft's formula has gotten stale. And at the same time, Ubi have half pivoted to online service games. All a bit mad. They need a new franchise. I don't know about that. I don't know if it's the franchises. I just think it's the spirit of what they're doing now. Um, when focusing on all the main objectives, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is about 59 and a half hours long. Yeah. If you do all everything, you're likely to spend around 136 hours. Noxiaternitis says, AC, it was planned, lived, and died with Patrice. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to argue against that. Patrice was the beating heart of that. Yeah, Patrice Desilet. Um, for those of you wondering what we're talking about, who we're talking about, he was the guy who really was the original shepherd of the franchise, and then he left, and things kind of went off the rails. That's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, MHG Immortant Joe, I stopped playing after Assassin's Creed 2 because it had already lost what made it special. You're right. Yep. The the speed run record for Assassin's Creed Valhalla is eleven and a half hours. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know, right there. Someone who their entire purpose is mm-hmm. to finish it as quickly as possible. It's still 11, took them eleven half hours. a day. Yeah, takes half a day. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I still enjoy them, and I, I still will keep playing them probably unless they do something horribly wrong. But the stuff like I don't care. I've never played those side scrollers really. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I only dabbled in some of the handheld things. Um, you know, I, I, I love the historical aspect of it. I don't mind the science fiction, you know, modern day story. I, I would mind it less if they were going somewhere. With yeah, it. that also has. Um, I'm yeah. tired of them. Dra- I, I don't mind the idea that it's the animus and that there's modern day stuff and conspiracy things going on. I just wish they'd get on with it. Like, yeah. I, I hate how they drag it out. Again, you know I, mean? I feel like they don't have a plan. No, and I well originally the plan <laughs> well originally it was supposed to be set in the modern day, and the, the historical right. stuff was just flashbacks that you didn't even play. Yeah. And at some point, someone realized like, hey, why don't this what, is what actually we better? Just set this in the. <laughs> um, but like originally, yeah. they were building to a game. I knew they were back in the back. I'm like, they're building to a game where you play as Desmond in 2012. Yep. Because he was going to absorb all the skill. That's the reason that you unlock the abilities for as you're in the Animus is so he could be able to do all those things. And they just everybody's back. The backlash against the modern day stuff was just like you never got to do that. But it was like you're supposed to kind of go through history and then like build up to a modern day Assassin's game. Mm-hmm. And they just never did it. Yeah. Um. I guess to some degree that's what Watchdog Legion was. Yeah. But if you played as the I played as uh one of the assassin people because they did eventually add an, an assassin's creed character not not a, one of the heroes but it's a it's a woman who is in the assassin's guild mm-hmm. and you can play as her and she does ac stuff in mm. in Watch Dogs legion like a lot of those games a lot of the ubisoft games are, yeah but a lot of those games are in continuity with each other weirdly yeah. enough yeah but um yeah i i would love to go back to sort of just that, that you know i enjoyed that period where it was like yearly you could count on a new one coming out with a new historical period a new place to look around it's exciting it's fun it's not cool. anymore it's all changed. So there you go. That's all our topics for today's show. But as always, we have one more thing we got to do. Actually, a couple more things we got to do before we go. And the first is name that game. I'm not making any promises this time. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about it before we do it. As far as my work on this, I'm just going to let it happen. Um, a couple things before we get going. Um, name that game is a game that you play against Matt Kyle. You're trying to beat Matt. Um, I'm going to show you a series of screenshots, and you need to guess the name of the game. If you have already won, do not play. Do not make any guesses. Do not play. Just sit back, kick your feet up, and watch everybody else have fun trying to guess the name of the game. Do not play. And that's pretty much it. You guys win all ties. Um, if Matt comes up with the name of the game and I look over... And I'll Vincent give... has put the chat in slow mode. What? Vincent has put the chat in slow mode. What does that do? That means you can only send one message per minute. So make, okay. your guess, make your guess count. Okay, so that's important then. Make your guess count now because you can only send one message per minute. So you're only going to get one guess per screenshot, essentially, is what it's going to work out to. So, so now all the people who already participated or who already won are making their guesses. <laughs> body Harvest. I think Emperor Dread guesses Body Harvest every week. I think one, that's his, one day he'll be right. One day, <laughs> that's his running gag. Um, so yeah, you get one guess per minute. So don't start spamming your guesses. It's not going to work. You're going to be blocked out. That's how people have been winning the last like few, I believe. It's just throwing a bunch of names out there. So Vincent, thank you for putting it on slow mode. And, uh, let's play. (laughs) You don't get to hear the song that plays. Sneaky made us a jingle for name that game. Right. I remember that. Um, so when I do that and we pause, it's playing the jingle that Sneaky made us. Thanks again for doing that, by the way. Guessing Assassin's Creed. Too quick. I think you already won. That's why you're, you're guessing yeah, already. People already won can throw their guesses in already because yep. um, the guarantees they can't talk. 
Okay. Are you ready, Matt? Sure. And again, you guys will win ties. So if Matt guesses the name of the game and I look I've never over gotten one of these. In a I don't couple, think. You have, have you ever won? You won not, one. Not, I think. not the picture. I've, I've won two where it was, it was, where it was verbal. Clues. Hits. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never, I've never won the, the screenshot. Screenshot. Okay. Um, again, you guys win ties. So if Matt guesses the name of the game correctly, I look over. I give you guys a couple beats in chat. Um, and if you guess it within a beat or two, then you guys will actually get the win over Matt. And in fact, let me bring up the chat here so people can see. Already well, guessing. And here is the first clue. It's hard to see. Intentionally. Assassin's uh, Creed, no. Fable 2, of course. Fable 2, no. <laughs> Bloodborne, no. Bloodborne, no. Skyrim, no. Kind of First time like... chat from Stucky. Guesses Skyrim, and he's wrong. Witcher 3, no. Alan Wake, no. I would know Witcher 3. Neo 1, no. Tomb Raider, no. Sekiro, no. Last of Us, no. All right. Kind of looks like... Uh, you got a guess? Kind of looks like Thief 2. Nope, not yeah. Thief 2. Uncharted, no. Last of Us, no. All right. We're going to make it to the second screenshot. <laughs> yes. All right. Here comes the second screenshot for Name That Game. Uh, that looks like, uh, kind of looks like Oblivion. Any guesses, Matt? I said it looks like Oblivion. Not Oblivion. But... Nope. <laughs> so happy for you, Shane. Oh, Adam3140 uh, just Dragon got Age. it. Dragon Age Inquisition. I am shocked that he got it from this. I mean, mm. I did put a little clue in there. So in the top right, there's like a shield that has an, a mm. logo on it. I think if you've seen, I mean, I'm sure if I'd played more of Inquisition and paid more attention, I would recognize those flowers. Because yeah. there's only so many flowers in the game. Yeah. You, you see those things spammed everywhere in the hinterlands. Yeah. I, I knew put... I knew I should recognize those flowers. I just couldn't place them. Okay, you guys can stop guessing now. We have a winner. <laughs> People are still guessing. It was, yeah, it was Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah. And the winner is Adam3140 underscore one. Someone else guessed Dragon Age, Call of Duty, but that's not good enough. You have to have the full game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there you go. We have a new winner. Just send me a DM either here on Twitch. You can send it to me on the site, sifted.net. You can send it to me on Twitter, um, wherever. Just get at me, um, and I will get a game code out to you. I think we have, like, three more left to give away. Um, by the way, the last two game codes that we have given out have been given away by SJD Swanland. So I don't know if he's in chat today, but if he is, thank him for supplying the codes for the last couple weeks. It's really awesome uh, that people are pitching in to keep the game going. But congratulations. I don't. I think that's pretty impressive, man, that you got Dragon Age Inquisition from that screenshot and that screenshot. I mean, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Here's the third one. Obviously trying to make it more obvious as we go to make it easier for you guys to get it. This was the third one. This was the fourth one. I figured those those enemies would have given it away to someone who really knew the game. Even if it doesn't show their heads. And then here's the last one. And this is like an iconic screenshot from... I think it may be even the box art for the game. It's a big dragon that I just cut the, the head off of. But congratulations. Send me a DM and we'll get you your free game... 
and we'll get you a round of applause right now. And again, for future reference, don't forget, you can't just say, like, a franchise. You have to provide the subtitle from the very specific version of that game that it was. So therefore, Dragon Age Inquisition, Adam3140 underscore one, gets the win. Nice work, everybody. I'm just happy I made it past the first screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> Slow Minor mode victories. <laughs> it is pretty it is pretty amazing though that people can get this stuff. It really is. Like you guys are amazing. Like you guys know games so so well. It is impressive to say the least. Um, okay, we're going to wrap up the show with Q&A as we always do. But before that, we have a word from our sponsor. A once in a lifetime property is now available in Northwest Montana featuring 92 acres of gorgeous wilderness, approximately one mile along the Blue Ribbon, trout-rated Kootenai River, and an eye-popping view of the Cabernet Mountain Wilderness Area. This is truly an outdoorsman's paradise. You can use the restored and remodeled barn with living quarters as a year-round home, vacation cabin, fishing retreat, horse ranch, or cattle ranch. Contact Doug DeShazer today for additional pictures, information, and an opportunity to view this very special piece of Montana. And with interest rates starting to rise, now is the time to pull the trigger on a home or property. Even if you're not able to relocate to Montana, worry not, sifters. Doug DeShazer has facilitated home and land sales in California, Texas, Oregon, Washington, and many other states. He can find you the perfect real estate agent for the job, no matter where you live in the U.S. Feel free to contact Doug with any questions regarding real estate at DeShazerMT at gmail.com or give him a call at 406-291-1643. That's 406-291-1643. Thanks as always to DeShazer, Ryan Realty, for sponsoring Game Face. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, head to patreon.com sifted, and there is a tier just for it. Um, okay, let's get to some Q&A. Oh, you guys got a lot of questions in, and we do have some time. So we should be able to answer quite a few questions today, and you guys put a lot in here. So we'll try to get through them as best we can. Uh, this is for Vidya Games. Thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. That's awesome. And you have subscribed for 10 months, and you are on a three-month streak. The streak is really what impresses me, man. There's some. There's one person that's on like a 40-some-month streak. Like even hmm. the month where I had medical issues last year where like nobody did it, and we didn't do Game Face, like they had gone and like subscribed. So thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. And JM Rain, dropping the Tier 1 subs to everybody, free subs. Another reason why you should always come and watch Game Face Live at twitch.tv slash games at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Tuesday. Uh, first one from ETH Demon. Question for Matt. What do you think of all the stuff going around with PS4, PS5 having by far the worst input latency for fighting games by a very large margin? I guess I'm not allowed to talk about input latency. That's oh. all you, Matt? Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really heard much about that. Um, and it seems weird. Like, I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about that. I guess we'll see. Um, it feels weird that there would be a latency problem in term, like universal to a system. I don't know what that does. Would be. And I know I'm not supposed to chime in here because you didn't ask me, but... <laughs> Does it matter if everyone's playing on the same platform? Yeah, if everything... If, it's an and, even and playing if, field. And if you're building it with that, with knowing that's there, it should not really matter. Yeah, I don't think it matters. That sounds like an excuse to me right. more than anything Oh, else. there's latency on this one. Everybody's playing with the same latency on a platform, yeah. so it shouldn't affect the competitive balance at all, I don't think. 
Um, Kevin Rafa, should you buy this game if you're not a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I'm assuming you're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah. Turtles. Uh, if you're not a fan of the IP, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know if, the, is that sacrilege? Mm, I don't know, I think you're a little old to have been yeah. part of that trend. I mean, I, I like... I mean, I remember the cartoons and stuff, and like, I just, I never connected with them. I liked them, be- I read the comics before the cartoon existed. Like, it, I remember reading like the old really violent, like ones that were mostly like, like homages. Oh, right, it such, was different. Yeah, yeah. homages such parodies of Daredevil, for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, the first issue of the comic, they mur- they kill Shredder, like mm-hmm. horribly slice him up and kill him. Um, and uh, but uh, I was, I, you know the, the 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 cartoon was fine. Like it was, you know, I like the movie better, although the movie's kind of silly now. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked him. I liked it. It was I was I was a little old probably to be obsessed with them, but like I did en- I did enjoy the cartoons for the most part, and I liked the old comics. They got they got real weird and sci-fi and tra- changing, you know. T- Teleporting to other worlds and meeting talking dinosaurs and stuff. Who are actually in this this game? Like there's a there's a, tri- yeah, there there's a triceraton. Yeah. There are triceratons in there. Let's yep. go. Uh, the original comic, the Krang race were, were good guys. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I'll um, take, we should answer this question though. No, you don't I would, have to like it to enjoy the game. Probably not. I mean, especially if you like beat. I'd say you have to like beat 'em ups. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not. It's going to enhance things if you like the. Especially the old cartoon. I mean, it's very much rooted in the old cartoon mm-hmm. more than anything else. Like characters making cameos from there. A couple of cameos from characters that you just would not know if you have not watched that whole that show yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I don't really give a crap about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I enjoyed the game. I had a lot of fun playing it. So, uh, Next up, Erebus Jones. Given the next Nintendo console is bound to be a generation power-wise behind the current gen, do you think... I think I'm losing a word here. Do you think the era of cross-gen titles is really going away, at least from third parties? I'm not sure I follow that question. So Nintendo's going to be... People are going to make games specifically for the Switch. Oh, does he think it's going to be the same as it is now? Where the Switch gets no third-party support? Is that what he's asking? He means, like, there won't be... The, the whole the People will still make games that are cross-gen because they have to make them work on the Switch as well as the PS5. Oh. Which, no, they're going to just make their own version. They'll either make a Switch version or they will just not make it for the Switch, which seems to be the solution they're going with right now already, so... I don't really agree with his premise that it is going to... That the, the next Nintendo platform is going to be way behind everything else because we're reaching the law of diminishing returns. You have to spend... Expend exponentially so much more money in hardware to get just the smallest yeah, but, advancement. Oh, sure, but like, like I think the, you're gonna the be next to, the next switch is gonna be PlayStation Four Pro power at, at best. Yeah, I think it'll be so. a 4K machine, and I think that's gonna be good enough. I think it'll get way more third party support than the Switch has got. To your point, that you I don't think about anything. All the time, like, I think the next Nintendo platform will in fact be running basically the same code on the low settings. I mm-hmm. think it will be powerful enough that it can now do that where the Switch. Cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So I think it'll get uh, more third-party games. The next Nintendo platform. I think it'll be. It will remain about the same. You think it'll be the same? Yeah, because you're going to hit a point where they're just making them for the next-gen systems. And they're not going. You basically be. You know, you'd be stuck making a, a lower-powered port, even if it was a pretty simple process, just for the Switch. And you know, you're, you're making a lesser version of the game for the sake of this Nintendo system that may or may not even be a market for you that you care about i'll say this if nintendo doesn't make its next hardware to where it's at a place where that is possible they're really stupid this that is something that should be priority one for nintendo's next platform is it, making sure it can get more third-party games it's not 
Yeah, and it'll, it'll be. They got more than right, the, they're doing weird. fine without that. Yeah. They don't need it. Yeah. Why would they? Yep. Um. Yeah. So we'll see. I think it's going to be right on the edge. A lot of it will depend mm-hmm. on when. You know, if we're over the COVID inflation and all the logistical problems that have been presented by COVID. I'll say this, Matt. So a good indicator, a barometer for that stuff is every time I go to shoot Pactor Factor because he lives in Long Beach. But not only does he live in Long Beach, he lives right on like the bay. Mm -hmm. And when all the stuff was getting backed up with the shipping stuff and the crates and everything, when I would go to his place, you could see see the lineup, the traffic jam of container ships just as far as you could see, it was just a traffic jam of ships out in the water, loaded with stuff, just as far as you could see. Mm-hmm. And when I went and shot They're there, out there for months yep. sometimes. And when I went and shot like a week and a half ago, there was like, the line ended like way to the left. Whereas before, it just kept going and going and going. So they're starting to get that stuff under control. I think a lot of that type of stuff will have an impact on what kind of platform mm-hmm. Nintendo launches next. Although part of the reason the backup got lesser is because nothing came out of China for a while because of the shutdown. Yeah, that's so, true. Like it was a chance to catch up, but now you're gonna have a, 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 a drought. Yeah, a drought of um of of stuff coming in. Oh, you think there'll be a drought of stuff coming? Yeah, because they stop the, the ship stopped coming because there yeah. was nothing to send because the factory shut down. Well, the other problem too is right with China with COVID. They went yeah. for the zero COVID thing where they just shut everything down. So you're right, like, that flow has stopped, so there's going to be mm-hmm. a period where there's nothing coming, Yep. and then it'll all fire back, back up again. Up, and, and then they better be ready. Yeah, it's a mess. It is a complete and total mess. COVID has, it's so funny, we're really just now dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, from a financial perspective and a logistics perspective, like, we managed to keep putting Band-Aids over stuff, like, we propped up, like, our stock market with, like, almost $2 trillion, mm-hmm. and that kept, like, the stock market okay for but a while. But Bill Maher forgot we did that. Yeah, but you can't so. keep doing that. Like, you have to stop, yep. and now we've stopped, and now we're dealing with it because we're not just throwing money at the problem anymore. So it's it's a mess. Um, who's next? Eric Scott. Thank you for Twitch Prime. Thank you for subscribing for 28 months. That's amazing, man. Uh, Derek D111. I feel like Matt might have a better answer for this. Everyone, okay. I'm just gonna leave, and you guys can just talk to Matt. How about that? Finally. Nobody wants that. I'll just, <laughs> just turn it into the Matt show. Yeah. Um, anyway, but Shane, if you know, please share your opinion. When it comes to Marvel video games, and he's right, you do, you will know better on this one. Um, is there any reason they became canon or not? For example, Spider-Man PS4 is, and Avengers. PS4, Xbox One is not. Neither of those games. Are, no no video games are canon to the Marvel Universe. Outside of the fact that Marvel, the Marvel multiverse encompasses every possible version of everything ever into infinity. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man PS4 is not canon to the Marvel Comics 616 universe. It's not. Like, no. Like, they that character, that version of Spider-Man has shown up in, like, multiverse crossover things. Uh, along with every other version of Spider-Man you could ever think of. Um, and the, the the Avengers games events uh, are in some other numbered multiverse somewhere in the Marvel multiverse somewhere. They're just not. But no, they're not canon to six one six like the main comic universe. Okay. Never. No, that that doesn't happen. Okay. Um, but they do take stuff from like the whole the entire idea of multiverse versions of Spider-Man crossing over comes from Dan Slott having seen the the workups for uh, Shattered Dimensions. 
and realizing like, oh, we could do a big... And they'd done like alternate dimension versions of Spider-Man before that, but that game literally having them all interact with each other was the, the impetus for like, hey, we should do like a Spider-Verse thing in the comics that really takes advantage of this idea and directly led to the, you know, into the Spider-Verse Miles Morales move. Like, like that video game basically created what we know of as the current Spider-Man, you know, and now, you know, No Way Home made a billion dollars in the back of that idea. So yeah. like... Uh, the video games have an impact, but they are not canon. They aren't. The, none of the video games are canon outside of their own little pocket universes or whatever you want to call them. Okay. Uh, next up, Zet Saber Juno. Shane, you said earlier that you still feel spry. Please do not get a Corvette. Zet Saber always drops these jokes that I feel like I'm supposed to get and I don't get. I don't know. I guess he like midlife crisis kind of thing oh wow i already have a midlife crisis car yeah (laughs) i have a nissan 370z it's the same thing basically uh cheaper than a corvette yeah and not quite as fast those new corvettes look cool though very very batmobile yeah i like them as well yeah i like the new z as well that just started going on actually i don't even think they're on sale yet Um, i like mine better but i still like the new z a lot of people hate it um fight tjk what Switch games do you think will be rare in the future for collector's sake? All the stuff that's made by, like, limited edition and yeah. the, the those ones that they just do, like, the limited run of, like, physical copies yeah. for, like, those little You should little buy things. them all. I've given up on that stuff. I can't... I don't have any I'll room. T- I'll give you a tip that just came out today. Blade Runner. They're doing a, they're doing a, a, a remastered, like, modern version of that the 90s Blade Runner PC game. They're putting it on PlayStation and uh, Switch, and I think it's limited run games is doing a... Uh, Physical copies, and they're doing like collector's editions. What is the name of the company that does and, all those? Um, limited run games. Is that what they're called? Yeah. There's a couple. Buy of them, all those. That's, that one is what I'm thinking about, about uh, specifically today. That game is gonna go. It's gonna go for like ten bucks digitally, and the collector's edition is like 179. Yeah. Uh, get the limited run game stuff. Like pick that that Blade Runner game is very very good. I think it'll be received well, and I think that's something you'll want to have sealed in a collection if you're talking talking about value. Um, just all that stuff. The stuff that's only made for like one print run. That otherwise is only digital is not sold in in mass retail stores. That's the stuff that's going to be valuable uh, physical copy wise for the Switch. Yep. Um, just think, and anything Nintendo published. Yeah. Just think about any YouTube video that you've watched from like game collectors, people who go around looking for rare games. Every game that's worth a lot of money is the mm-hmm. game that they made the fewest of. Yeah. It doesn't the matter thing, how thing good or bad the game is. Yeah. All that matters it is how many they made, and it doesn't necessarily mean if it's if it's uh, if you think it's common or it's not that hard to get or whatever. Like, you know, that Indiana Jones N sixty four game was in there was at least one copy in every blockbuster in in America, and that's thousands and thousands and thousands of co- you know there was mm-hmm. endless blockbusters back back then. But that still means so it's like twenty thousand infinitely less than would be on sh- you know re- mass retail release, even so. any crappy game. That's yeah. still way less than any crap. Oh, you can game. get a lot of money for that terrible Beast Wars game on mm-hmm. N64, and that was Clay, one, there's that, a version of Clay that was the, Yeah, that was the same thing. It was only through Blockbuster. Yeah. So the only way you got it is by bribing Blockbuster people to give you the game, which is what I did. Or waiting for so, them to go out of business and going in too. there and buying them. Yeah. I just went in one day and was like, "How much do I need to pay you to take this and keep it?" Yeah. And they said like a hundred something bucks. I'm like, done. Yeah. So. And then smart people who were working there. If they're if they knew what was going on, whenever they closed down, they grabbed the good games. The games mm-hmm. are actually worth money. So I'm still yeah. irritated that when uh, the the video it wasn't a blockbuster, but the video store that I was working at cl- uh, closed down, and I did not grab their full complete copy of Earthbound. No, should have done it. Yeah, should have grabbed it. We all have regrets in life. I have many. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on a tirade about all my regrets. 
Uh, anyway, uh, next up, <laughs> next level. Shh. What games are you both looking forward to playing this year? I think that's an easy one. God of War. God of War. Yeah. Um, I think we're both looking forward to playing Saints Row. Yeah. Xenoblade. Not as much. Yeah. To lesser extents. But I think God of War is a winner. Is the right answer to that. Yeah. Right there. Um, minority games. You're curious how about... No, that's too much. Um, Matt, my <laughs> too much. T- sorry, minority games. Matt, my what's up, Mike's Q? How you doing, man? My my two and a half year old daughter likes my neighbor Totoro more than most of the older Disney movies. Are there any other classic animation movies that you think get overlooked that I could show her? Oh, two and a half. I mean, Totoro's That's young. Totoro's interesting because it's it's very pleasant and there's not really a lot of scary any scary stuff and there's no villain. Um. It's like I, you know, my instinct on that is like other Ghibli stuff. Uh, try her on um, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, you know, where she's you know a young girl witch who has to starts a delivery service in another town and has to deal with, with uh, confidence issues. It's not as kinetic as uh, Totoro, but it is charming in the same way. There's no, there aren't really any scary bad guy things in it. I don't think not that I can remember. Um, yeah, I guess I guess Kiki's Delivery Service and. Um, I mean, all the stuff I liked when I was a kid at animation-wise have, like, a bunch of intense things in it. Um, you could try her on Last Unicorn. There's You probably want to watch it first because there's some, you know, there's the Red Bull and some stuff is a little intense. But uh, she likes unicorns and stuff. There's some cool stuff in that. Okay. Good question. Um, Emperor Dread, any excitement for the new AI Somnium Files game coming out this week? No. No. <laughs> Sorry to tell you, we're probably not going to talk about it on Game Face. <laughs> uh, too quick, Capri. Thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime, man. That's awesome. Ariath, what's up, man? First time chat. Welcome to Game Face Live. We're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Hope you make it back. Uh, he says they're working to fix it. I'm not sure what he's talking about, but thanks for being a part of the community. Um, Immortan Joe, considering it's been a slow year, what game are you both glad you had the time to go back and play or finish? I finished Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I got to play KOTOR again. No, oh, but fun. you can't finish that, right? No, the first one you can. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. How weird is that? <laughs> I mean, I was going to wait on the second one until they got the, the restored content DLC up anyway. So Yeah. That's uh, just very funny that like that game is so buggy <laughs> that even the remaster <laughs> can't get can't past it. still can't finish it. It's crazy. Um, very true to the original. Dr. Well Neville. I just got Horizon Forbidden West. What is your favorite playstyle or weapon you recommend to try out? Hunter bows. Yeah. Just use the hunter bows. Hunter bows and the sharpshooter bows. I got through the whole game with the hunter bow. Yeah. Just... The other thing I would say, too, about the game in general, just a pro tip, is like a lot of the boss fights, you can cheese them. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you specifically how you can cheese them. It's not hard to figure out. A lot of times, it's just getting higher than them. Mm. And that's all I'm going to say. Some of the boss fights, I beat my head against the wall, and then I found a way to cheese them and beat them the first time. So just a little pro tip there. Um, from Vincent, have you had any interest in Neon White? Based on the reviews, it's very niche, but the people who like it really like it. I'm not even familiar with it. Are you? Yeah, it's been, it popped up in one of the E3 things and stuff. It, I, it looked very multiplayer to me. I have no interest. Yeah. But very stylized, kind of anime, uh, not a full anime, but like has a future-y, I don't know. I don't care. Okay. Like, it, 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 I, it, from what I saw, it was a full multiplayer game. It was not a thing I'm interested in. Yep. Um, Drifter J, do you like the Tenchu series? Any rumors of From Software bringing it back? I, there were. Um, I, I feel and like then it was turned into Sekiro. Yeah, Sekiro was yeah. what that turned out to be. They literally 
tried to work on a new Tenchu, and as they worked on it, they realized you can't really make a Tenchu in 2019 uh, or whatever, and they evolved it, and it became Sekiro. And yep. that's good enough for me. Um. Oh, Mike's cute. A question for Shane and only Shane. Thank you. <laughs> what would be more... Oh, this is definitely pandering. What would be more heartbreaking? Pittsburgh losing to Philadelphia or Cleveland? Oh, it's... I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about football. If you're talking hockey, Cleveland doesn't have a hockey team. But in hockey... So it would be worse if they lost to Cleveland then. Well, for football, it's way... Cleveland's way worse. No, I mean for hockey, because they lost yeah, to a team that doesn't exist. Yeah, they lost to a team that doesn't exist, yeah. <laughs> uh, but for hockey... you got to be real bad to do yeah. that. For hockey, Philadelphia is Pittsburgh's biggest rival, and I hate the Flyers more than any hockey team. So for hockey, it's Philadelphia. For football, it's Cleveland, because in football, the Eagles play in a different conference. So they're actually not even rivals. In fact... I lived in Philadelphia for like seven years, and the Eagles are like my second team. So if the Steelers are eliminated, I then start rooting for the Eagles because a lot of my best friends are Eagles fans, and I just want to see them happy and enjoying life. So um, I do not root against the Eagles at all. In fact, they're like my second favorite team. So I uh, will answer one or two more. Sneaky says, also, limited run video game soundtracks on LP are also really valuable. Yeah. Okay. Something to keep in mind. Yeah, there. they are. Um, uh, Neon White's the speed running shooter, single player. But yeah, I, I don't care about that. Yeah, I do not care how fast I can do things. That's just that's not an interesting me challenge either. to me. I've ne- although the only time I ever got into it was like the Golden Eye stuff, like those yeah, extra because well, you had you had to unlock stuff that way. Yeah, right? that's the, the game only time I've ever gotten into it. I have no interest in a game that's completely built around the speed run idea, and I have no interest about in a game like like the Crew or was it called the Crew? Not the not, not Ubisoft the club, racing game. The club, the club. Uh, where it's just it was it's a, it's a oh, the, shooter, but it's based around point, scoring points. Yeah, and I, I don't care about that. It's similar to uh, Bulletstorm. I don't care yeah. about oh, you do all these weird stunts, you get all these combos. I don't care. You don't like playing other genres the way you play fighting games. Not really, no. Okay. I don't okay. think they translate. Just like I'm not interested in that time your shots to the heavy metal music game. Like that's. Not an interesting limitation to shooting to me. No, you're right. It, it I think it stymies creativity yeah. and play. That mm-hmm. could inspire some. It's an interesting idea, but like I think it works better in the in the frame of something like Crypt of the Necrodancer or Agreed. something like that. I agree with that. All right. That's it for Game Phase 305. Do not forget, we are off next week. But I will be giving you guys something next Tuesday. Uh, that'll be something like Game Phase. It'll probably be the grind. If you remember that little show that we do sometimes when we can't do Game Phase. I will give you guys something next Tuesday, but it won't be here on Twitch. It will be archived for our patrons at patreon.com slash sifted or our subscribers at sifted.net. And speaking of which, if you're watching this show on YouTube or you're listening to it on any of the podcast services out there, and this show is on all of them, please head on over to patreon.com slash sifted and give us a pledge, even if it's just a dollar a month. If there's a lot of you, it can make a big difference. Check out all our different tiers, all our different rewards for the different tiers that we have. Um, every dollar makes a difference for us, and we would really, really, really appreciate it. And if you can't do any of that, you can still help us for free if you subscribe to Amazon Prime by subscribing to our Twitch channel with Twitch Prime. It's kind of a pain in the butt the first time, but if you're watching on YouTube, the directions are down below in the description step-by-step, and it actually makes it really easy. If you've already linked your accounts and you already have Twitch Prime, all you have to do is go to our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash siftedgames, and just subscribe to the channel with your free subscription. And you give us a free $2.50. It costs you nothing. 
It's just a perk of being an Amazon Prime member. And I am as well. Although I cannot subscribe to our own Twitch channel, hmm. which is bizarre. It's really weird because it's get, connected to right. our official account, You can't give yourself... I can't give myself a free 250 yeah. unfortunately. But you guys can. And a lot of people do it on the show. And I appreciate every single one of you guys that, that actually do do it. Congratulations to our winner on Name That Game today. Um, it was a slow week, but... That little thing that I'm going to put out next Tuesday is probably going to be loaded with some pretty good stuff, so make sure you check it out. Uh, Matt, enjoy your vacation, man. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy your time away up north. And uh, Are you going to go into the city at all, you think? Probably. Yeah. Go to some of our old stomping grounds and mm-hmm. see if they're still there. <laughs> it is pretty crazy how long we've lived in L.A. now. Yeah. Well, it's 18 years this year. Yeah, I guess it has been. That's mm-hmm. nuts. I can't believe I've lived in Los Angeles for 18 years. If you told my little five-year-old self... Or even my 14-year-old self when I started skateboarding. That one day, not only would I live in California, but I would live in Los Angeles for 18 years. I would spit in your face and tell you you're insane. But here I am. Somehow it all happened. Uh, Thanks for everybody on the stream. You guys were great. Great questions to wrap up the show. Thanks for your support. We'll see you in two weeks. Don't forget, Game Face is up and out.